Hey everyone, welcome into the NKY Bracketology Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter, joined tonight with Michael and Zach and our special guest, T3. Um, T3, I'll let him introduce himself here in just a second, but just like he, I wanted him to be our first guest on the show. Um, he really helped last year, giving me advice and just kind of helping me get my like stuff off the ground a little bit. So it kind of meant that I wanted to take the first month and just Zach, Michael, and I get used to everything. But then I wanted him to be the first guest we brought on just to kind of show him like a little bit of thank you for everything that he did for me last year and everything like that. Plus, his content is great. You should definitely check him out if you're not already following him. So T3, if you want to give a little introduction to yourself. Yeah, for sure. So I'm T3 with T3 Bracketology. I've been doing bracketology since the 2015 NCAA tournament. So technically this would be the 10th year that I've done it, but with COVID it's actually only going to be nine March Madness tournaments because that one was canceled, but still did all the work leading up to it. And yeah, super excited to join. I've been listening to most of your guys' episodes. I caught up on a couple of them. I was traveling the last few days, so I caught up on a few of them on the plane. Really, just really love the content that you guys put out there. And you, you get a lot of questions, and some of them are harsher than others for sure, but you guys answer all of them in stride. And it's like, it's, it's so easy to like put out mean questions or just say random stuff on Twitter, but it's not easy to actually put hard work out there and answer those. So definitely applause for that. And really looking forward to the conversation today. Well, thanks, man. Uh, appreciate you taking a listen and yeah, the questions are definitely fun. Um, we, some of Zach's questions are especially entertaining um, with his model. So it's been, a trip to try to answer them all, but we want to keep it as objective and as unbiased as possible. And one of the bigger issues a lot of us have with the bigger media people are like getting answers from things. Like we can ask questions of like the people on Fox or CBS or ESPN, but like for them to actually take the time to answer, that's a whole different story. So we try to be more accessible than others are as you are as well. And I've definitely appreciated that about you know, both of you guys, like, you could just ignore all the questions and whatnot, but, like, I've learned a lot from you guys, just um, wondering why you have a team at a different seed or than I maybe think they should be, or just wondering, like, what's the difference between this team and this team? Like, it's very educational. Good. It's what makes it fun, too. Like, if you just kind of put out content and then just leave it there as if you're the god of bracketology or something like it's not really engaging any conversation or discussion which i think is what makes it the most fun some people just don't have the time to put out content they have a larger family multiple jobs like they just can't do it but they have a lot of great stuff to share so if you never actually engage with those questions i i learn stuff from other people's questions too so it's kind of goes both ways yeah and every time i put out a seed list or a top 25 somebody will ask about a certain team and I'll want to flip teams on my seed list just because I look at it a different way. So that helps. And like every time I get a question from a fan that isn't like, are you stupid or, you know, whatever, like I, it forces me to think about like, okay, why is this team so low or so high compared to, you know, whatever other measure um, we're using it? Again, it forces me to think about like my model and like what's being valued and should I change something? Yeah. So exactly. And I, I like ranking my top twenty five 
based on resume because that's the easiest way for me to actually rank te- rank teams. Yeah. And it's the most consistent way to do it, for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll get into – I'll read my seed list for to get us started. Um, I'll just, like, kind of run through it real quick. Um, and then whatever questions you all have, hit me or whatever. Um, pretty laid back around here. One seeds, Purdue, Yukon, Houston, North Carolina. Two seeds, Wisconsin, Tennessee, Arizona, Kansas. Three seeds are Marquette, Creighton, Alabama, Iowa State. Four seeds are Baylor, Duke, Illinois, Dayton. Five seeds are Auburn, San Diego State, BYU, and Kentucky. Sixes are Utah State, South Carolina, TCU, Texas Tech. Seven seeds are FAU, Clemson, Oklahoma, Colorado State. Eight seeds are New Mexico, Utah, Boise State, Nebraska. Nine seeds are Michigan State, Northwestern, St. John's, Mississippi State. Um, Ten seeds are Indiana State, Ole Miss, Florida, St. Mary's. And then 11s are Providence, Texas A&M, Washington State, slash Texas for the first play-in game. The second play-in game is Colorado and Seton Hall. Um, For my first four out, I had Seton Hall, Villanova, Butler, and Memphis. And then Oregon, Cincinnati, Virginia, and Gonzaga were the next four. So you have Seton Hall both as your first four in and first four out. Yep. Yep. Just read that. Okay. Um, <laughs> we all make mistakes. <laughs> we all make mistakes. Exactly. That's a great question. I'm just going to say that I will bump all of them up. I went back and forth a lot last night on my like last couple teams in and last couple teams out. So I probably just left Seton Hall at both and didn't catch that. So did you say you're – just so I make sure I heard that right, was it Seton Hall, Texas, Providence, Washington State, in some order was your last four in? Seton Hall, Colorado, Texas. Oh, Colorado. Got it. Okay. Um, I had Providence as my first 11, so they're right there. Got it. Okay. Yeah, Colorado is my first team out, but otherwise pretty similar. So feel good about that. For sure. It's always nice to have a, somebody else have it pretty close, and you're like, nice. I was on to something. Yeah, like when I don't read like our chat or anything, when I'm <laughs> – mine like i'll just try to go like completely dark and just do mine and then i come back and i'm like oh great we match like that looks good yeah uh, not like seed lines just like who we have in and out uh, i did of- have an initial initial question this, obviously this is like i wouldn't say nitpicking but it's just it's very close of difference for you between marquette and kansas i still have kansas for now as my top three marquette is a two if i heard you correctly you have kansas a two marquette a three I do. So I'd, I'd love to know, like, and I feel like it's so close, but I would just like to know, like, what was, what was your thought process to put Kansas above Marquette? So I looked at their elite wins. Um, very nitpicky. You could flip them, especially with the head to head, and I wouldn't care. Um, but I ended up going. Kansas's elite wins are just a little bit better than Marquette's elite wins, even though Marquette has the road win at Illinois and um, the head to head over Kansas too. Well, yeah. But I didn't – there was – let me pull up their stuff really quick because I answered this earlier on Twitter, and there was something that stood out to me about one of their wins that made me think about it. Um, yeah, Kansas has the Tennessee and the Yukon wins, whereas Marquette is rolling with the Kansas win and the Illinois win as their best two. Um, it's super nitpicky, and if you went the other way around, I wouldn't care. I also didn't like that Kansas, ha- or not Kansas, Marquette has lost to Butler at home. 
not a bad loss by name or anything, but losing a home game to Butler, it's a quad two game. Just kind of stood out to me. Um, obviously, Kansas has the quad three loss, but that was a road loss. Yeah, that's fair. Nope. Yeah, let's go. Um, West Virginia is not good, but they're gaining a little bit as we go. Yeah. Um, so I'm not as upset about that. But yeah, like you said, like they're super close, and if you flipped them, I wouldn't care at all, especially with the head-to-head result. So my question with Wisconsin was, how did they get up to number five overall? Because outside of the win over Mar- over Marquette, their other good wins are against mostly bubble or teams teams that are out. Whereas like Tennessee, Arizona, Kansas seem to have but more like high-end wins. Absolutely. Um, I you could flip Mar- Wisconsin all the way down to the third two seed and I wouldn't care. Um, I went back and forth on it last night. I was doing this while watching the Wisconsin game and I won't lie. I had it scheduled before it went to overtime. Ah. I Mm. thought that I had, I went back in and edited Nebraska, but I did not go back in and edit Wisconsin down because those were close and I didn't know how far to drop them without looking at their metrics. Um, I wanted to see like what everything updated to today and kind of get a better comprehensive picture. Um, but for now, I would definitely drop them below Tennessee. Um, Arizona has a case to be above them. I don't know which one I would pick straight off the top, though. Um, T3, what do you think? Yeah, I had Arizona and Tennessee above Wisconsin. I have Wisconsin at seven. The reason why I still like them as a two is because I believe, let me check, I think they have 10 combined quad one, quad two wins. They, yeah. And obviously, like you you unpack the actual specific wins that are there. And I can understand that argument that some people get into, like not just with Wisconsin, but in general, it's kind of similar with like Dayton feels like a lot of times it's like, how good is the St. John's and Cincinnati win look? That's how good their resume looks. But I think sometimes we give maybe a little too much credit to how deep the committee is going to look. And if you have a lot of quad one, quad two wins, that still counts for something, even if some of them are bubbly. So yeah, they're, yeah, they're 10 and five quad one quad two it just and their strength of record kpi average for resume is a 6.0 just feels like that's hard to push to a three yeah with that being a quad one road loss last night and it was an overtime granted like it it doesn't look good from like a watching perspective because they blew a giant lead and they shouldn't have lost that game but it's not a bad loss for them right and especially at home this year like nevada beat purdue or not nevada um nebraska beat purdue like it is what it is. It happens. Conference play. What what I find interesting is how is how much like head to head results there were between like like the top ten ish teams here. Um, yeah, Purdue, it's crazy. Purdue played Arizona. UConn played North Carolina and Kansas. Uh, you know, Wisconsin has played uh, Tennessee. Um, they who else did they? Play? I I know Kansas played both Tennessee and UConn. So yeah. there's been and Marquette obviously played Kansas. They also did they I don't know if they played they played Wisconsin. So there's been a lot of head to head within these teams. Yeah. Um, I mean Wisconsin just absolutely beat down Marquette as well. Yeah. So I mean, I there's not really a right and a wrong answer for ordering some of these, I don't think. Um, especially like T3 said, we're giving a little bit of credit to the committee where we think they're going to go in and look at some of these where they may not look as deep into it as what we think they will. Like we sit here and agonize over it, but they may not. I wonder if they care more about like, 
I, I don't know where everybody is in the net, but like if you beat a net, let's say um, 16 teams at home and then like a net 30 team at home, like are they going to look at that more than they're going to look at like the name? Oh, absolutely. That's why they're the quadrant record for sure. Um, when I mean, when you look at a team sheet, they have the team names on there, but it's also divided into quadrant one and it is divided into A and B as is quadrant two. So they're going to look at that a little bit more. I think what Zach might mean, though, is like, let's say Duke is at 30 in the net and you beat them. But let's say Utah State is at 16 and you also beat them. Are they going to say, oh, you know, that win over Utah State is really better than Duke because of like the team name and the, you know? I think it depends on the committee member. I yeah, think they would both. They'd both be quad one B wins. Yes. Okay. So, so yeah, yeah you're gonna have. Um, it, it's basically like kind of comparing apples to apples, but you're you're just looking at the net ranking to see like, oh, okay, like our deciding factor. Oh, boom! Like this team has the the better win when you look at the when you look at the net. As opposed to just quad one, quad two, and so on. I feel like the two teams would have to be really close to get yeah. that specific of like, okay, it's that close. Like we have to decide on this one specific win. Because even right now, we're at somewhere between 19 to 22 games. I guess like the Ivy League could be a little bit less games. But you're somewhere mm-hmm. in like the, the double digits, way above 15 total games played. And when we get to the actual like when they're making those decisions in conference championship week, we're into 30 games. So I, I feel like that's that's one of the reasons why they like the quad system because it helps bucket those. And I think yeah. it just depends on yep. the specific committee member. Some of them might get really specific into wins. Some of them might not. But that's where if you think of it like because they're all voting on those decisions, some of them have to leave the room if they're associated with the school. But for the most part, you have 10 to 12 people voting on those decisions it's going to kind of even itself out where I think yeah. the process that most people go about of you look at the team sheet, you get kind of specific in some areas, maybe not in some others where there's a gap in metrics, I think is relatively safe just because you don't, none of us are in the room to know for sure what each individual person and they do switch who the people are. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to predict that part. You're just kind of doing your best based on what's available on the sheet. It's all fair questions though. You know, this is one of the issues with the, uh, the bubble. You look at Mississippi State as last nine, and you're a bracket hunter, and I think they have a lot of work to do. But when you look behind them at the ten seeds, Indiana State, Ole Miss, Florida, St. Mary's. I mean, Florida just got their first quad room one win, so there's not a lot of uh, inspiring teams behind them. So I mean, I'll also say though, I do have Auburn as a five seed with no quad room one. Right. So that's um, a tough one. It's t- yeah. Auburn's got. Uh, I would probably have Ole Miss above onto the nine line and Mississippi State down if I could redo it. Um, I kind of looked at those again this morning. I think I like Ole Miss better, but I'm not completely sure yet. Auburn's next three games are quadrant one games. So yes. if we're 10 days from now still saying Auburn doesn't have a quadrant one in, that's going to be a problem. Oh, yes. For yeah. Sure. And their predictives would have to take a hit if they lose the next three. You'd hope so. You'd hope so. They, they might not. They may not, they, but they honestly might not. But even, depending on at that point, though, if you're zero and seven in quadrant one games, you know. Yeah, you're I more mean, bubbly than a five seed yeah. at that point. Yeah, 
at least to an eight, I would think. Yeah. So. Um, any other spots, T3, that, like, we disagreed on or anything like that? I mean, like, the first thing I brought up as a disagreement was a one overall spot difference. So, like, nitpick is a definitely good way to put it. I think some of the other differences get into, which is definitely the area that most people are going to be one different from each other, is the eight to ten seeds. Mm-hmm. Where I think I'll throw out like three to start, I guess. But I think you had Northwestern as a nine or a ten. I have them as an eight seed, and then Ole Miss I have as the last eight seed. You have them as a ten, and then Mississippi State we just talked about. I have yeah. them down to a ten. There's a couple others, but it's like very small differences. But those are the three to me. Like, I think we've kind of touched on Mississippi State a little bit, but like, I would love to know what your thought process is on how to handle Ole Miss. I feel like they're one of the five toughest teams to seed because they have a single digit predictive average, but they're, or single digit resume average, but their predictive average is still, it's getting better. It's not like in the 80s, like it was for a minute, but it's still not great. So that's definitely one word they could. I mean, their range is huge. They could be a seven, and I would be like, hmm, you know, res- resume is pretty good. And yeah. they could be on a 10 11 seed, and I'm like, well, the predictive average is pretty bad, so I kind of get you. So I'm just curious, like, what you were waiting there that got you to a 10 with Ole Miss. So um, just to give, like, a little bit of background on how I do my, like, seed lists and everything, I put all 362 teams get ranked based off of their um, team sheet. So I use um, all of the individual factors that are used via uh, the team sheets. And then I weight quad one, quad one A, and then quad two. And then I combine quad one and two. And then I can, I also weight um, quad three and four. So when I do that, I get a ranking one through 362. That's not what I plug into my seed list, but that's how I start scrubbing. Ole Miss started um, on the like bottom of the 11 line when I started scrubbing last night. And I moved them all the way up to like the 10 line. And I thought that was enough. But looking back at it, like, I don't think it was. Um, just what weighs them down is the predictive average. For sure. I'm still at like a, I think it's like 70, 30-ish um, split on um, resume being 70 and then predictives being 30. Um, and that's where I'll stay the rest of the year for the C-list um, rankings. But that kind of drops them down. And then I didn't want to go up too much because I don't like varying from that a ton like six eight spots at most um but i mean they've done better i don't like that they have the loss to lsu still on the schedule um i feel like that could teeter right in between quad one and two or two and three sorry um just kidding that's that's 95 that's a road loss so that'll be fine a little bit more um but honestly their schedule is just hard to pin down yet um, good thing is they have Auburn, South Carolina, Kentucky coming up their next three. So we're going to find out a lot about them. Oh, for sure. I've gone back and forth. I didn't, like I said, it's probably the predictives that keep them down for me. Um, the committee has shown in the past, like, kind of use predictives to seed. But once we start getting down to those bubbly teams like that, they don't use it as much. So, like I said, they're probably best as a nine, but I wouldn't be upset at a seven or at a 10 or, or anything like that. One of one of my issues with like the Ole Miss and before South Carolina beat Kentucky and uh, Tennessee is both Ole Miss and South Carolina had really high resume metrics, despite not really getting many high-end wins over good teams. Um, I mean, you know, Ole Miss has still played 
overall the 96th ranked strength of schedule. I would expect an average to above average power five, power six school to have a pretty good record against, a, you know, a schedule that barely ranks in the top 100 after now playing almost half of their SEC games. Yeah. And to me, the difference between Ole Miss and South Carolina now is South Carolina now has the Kentucky and the Tennessee win. Ole Miss's yes. best wins are Texas A&M and Central Florida. And we're not sure if either one of them is going to make it. In fact, I doubt Central Florida will, and Texas A&M is kind of... Squirrely on the bubble. Yeah. Very bubbly, yeah. And then you've got Florida, Mississippi State that they've beaten too. But yeah. it's not that much. So how their resume metrics are 11 average from what their schedule is is interesting to me. I'm assuming it's got something to do with the seven Q3 games and only playing seven quad four games. Only. Um, That's still a third of their games. It's still a lot, but it's better than some True. of the like eight cent yeah. teams that are double digits. You're right. That, that nine and one against quadrant two and three does matter. That's yeah. that's how the Mountain West has gotten itself multiple, like much more than two to three bids recently. Because even if you even like a week ago, San Diego State didn't have a single win over the field, and I don't even can't even remember who they're off the top of my head who their wins are against. But if you look at like San Diego State, most people have them in a five or six seed. I have them near the top of the six line, and they don't have a like. You could argue maybe St. Mary's is getting close to an at-large, but otherwise they don't have a single win over an at-large team. Their two Q1 wins are St. Mary's and Gonzaga, which are objectively decent basketball teams, but they're not quad one. And then their quad two games are Washington, UC San Diego, who's having a great season, by the way. They just can't make NCAA tournament because of the transition rule. Which is dumb. It, it is, yeah. But they are killing it in the Big West, so yeah. shout out to them. And shout out to San Diego State for even playing that on the road. But then they also have Nevada and UC Irvine, which are like, Again, good, solid teams, but because they only have three Q4 games at all, and one of them is Long Beach State, which is almost Q3, mm-hmm. that I think really helps San Diego State, and that's why they're pretty much in the 20s other than BPI, which hates the Mountain West, but they're pretty much in the 20s across the board. They have the 15th best non-conference strength of schedule. Like They've just figured out how to get kind of game the system a little bit, but in like a a positive way, whereas I think we've seen some discourse on Twitter the last few days about the Big 12 and how they've done it the opposite way, where outside of a few teams, most of those schools have like 200-plus non-conference strength of schedules because they play such a tough conference schedule. And is that actually good for the game, et cetera, et cetera? Everyone's got different opinions, but I think the Mountain West has actually gamed it in a good way. Yeah. Because those teams just don't get, unless they're in an MTE where maybe they go to Atlantis or Maui or something, Usually that's only going to be San Diego State that's built a brand to get invited to those things. You're just not going to get teams to play you at your home floor. Like even San Diego State, they're the best team they've been able to play at home so far is Nevada. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every single one of their quad one games and even quad two A are neutral or away. Yeah, yeah, which is why they are up there. Even though people ask me all the time, like they don't have an at large win because Nevada dropped out of the field. It's like it's very fair, but. They've really they've just done everything else so clean, and they do have nice quad numbers regardless. So, just another good example of that. But two and so two and five in quadrant one, and uh, twelve and zero everywhere else. Yeah, exactly. And the worst team that they played the, the entire season, according to the net, is Cal State Fullerton at two thirty one, and they're not even that bad. 
No. And it helps, too, that the non-Division One games don't count. Yes. The Mountain West usually have to play a couple of those, too. They play two. Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious for this question, not necessarily bracketology-related, but scheduling. Like, there's been a lot more recently, even in this last month, there was the Big Sky Summit Challenge. The, yeah. The Mac Sun Belt next yeah. Saturday is coming back for round two of it, where right. it's, I think the Sun Belt teams are all hosting, which will be fun. That's yeah. probably James Madison and App State's best shots if they have any at-large chance, which I would say is like in the single digits at this point. But if they have any shot, they need to beat like the Akron and Toledo's of the world. But what kind of what kind of conference matchup would you guys think would be fun if the Mountain West ever got into that? Where maybe it's like a December or maybe it's even like a February because they match nets so it can help the teams that have a tournament shot play out against better teams. Like, is it the West Coast Conference, or is it something else you guys think would be fun? I think they used to do an MWC-MVC challenge. Yeah, that's um, one. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. I think that would be fun to yeah. see, like, San Diego State go head-to-head with Drake. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll throw out power conference-wise. I think the Big East would be a great matchup for the Mountain West. I think it'd be fun. Like, it'd be yeah. polar opposite, like, geographic like sections but doing a challenge like that for those two i mean the big east just lost the gavit games they're probably not going to get something like that back so the big east could pick up something good for that and then the mountain west i mean that could do nothing but help them they kind of have similar play styles too to an extent like it's it's usually like more defense focused grittier games the atmospheres are, are unlike anything else. Not to say that the other power conferences or smaller leagues are not also good, but Big East and Mountain West just feel very unique from an atmosphere standpoint. So getting able to like those different across-country fans see both of those, I think would be fascinating. Yeah, Maybe, the, maybe the Mountain West could partner with either the Big West, too. I mean, the, that conference is kind of a little bit further down. below. It, there's not as many good matchups for them. But if you had some road games in there, they could be. It, it wouldn't move the needle a ton, but you could get some Q two. Yeah, and games UC in there. Irvine's not is, is pretty good. Um, you mentioned UC San Diego. Um, there's some other ones that are that are decent there too. Yeah. I just wonder, from a scheduling standpoint and the way things are going, um, whether, I mean, I guess the Big East might still be looking at trying to schedule some some bigger games because they currently only have 11 teams. Um, but, like, with the Big Ten adding four, uh, the Big 12 adding four, yeah. well, yeah. And then, you know, the SEC adding Texas and Oklahoma. Like, I feel like a lot more power conferences are going to go the way of the Big 12 and just schedule, like an overwhelming amount of like terrible games like cup yeah games. yeah yeah but it's and always it's always been kansas's thing to schedule pretty pretty well in the non-conference but this year they're going to get penalized for it it looks like yeah yeah because i mean taking a hit and that part of that's just from them losing some of these closer games and stuff too right yeah and i think kansas maybe felt like i mean i don't know exactly when they they um, got their schedule or like finalized their schedule or um, what the decisions were, but just 
they maybe felt like, hey, we have a, you know, we're going to win the, we're going to win the conference anyway. So there's no harm in scheduling tough. Yeah. Well, Kansas also had Maui this year. So they had it right. like on all fronts. Like they're, I mean, that was one of the best Maui fields ever, if not the best. So that helped make it even tougher. I mean, I'm not saying they don't schedule tough on purpose, but I think this year was like extra tough on them. Yeah. You know, Texas A&M in, in recent years has been criticized for their non-conference schedule. They finally schedule well. I mean, and they picked up wins against Iowa State, Kentucky, um, SMU on the road, Ohio State on the road. Um, and here they are, you know, with a 12-8 and 8 record sitting, you know, barely in or out of the field because their resume metric, metric average is around 60. Well, it's not just the met, resume metric yeah. issue. Yeah. I mean, you got to win games in front of you. Yeah. You can't lose home games to LSU and expect to make the tournament. Two quad three losses, yeah. I, I think that I think Texas A and M still feels to me like from a long term perspective that they could be okay. Yeah, yeah. Like right now, they they definitely are justified that they're bubbly ish. I think I where did I have them today? My top eleven seeds are just before last four in, like the bottom of the buys, if you will. But they've still got like they have Florida at home tomorrow. Yeah, which is just got to be one of the best. Saturday slates I've ever seen. Yeah, it's just it's gonna be so good. Like the fact that Texas A&M Florida could might not even be a top twenty game tomorrow. Yeah, and that has such huge implications is nuts. Right, but yeah, they have at Missouri still. You have at Vanderbilt. They have Arkansas at home at Georgia. You get South Carolina and Mississippi State at home, and they've both. I guess South Carolina's been getting better on the road, but there's a lot of games in there that are winnable. Where even if they just kind of win what's in front of them, it was unfortunate that they blew the Ole Miss game because that was kind of another one that you needed to secure but there's definitely opportunities there but they really have not played great basketball since they beat kentucky no like that's it's not giving me a lot of encouragement but i still just feel like they're a good enough team and they did have a nice non-conference where if it comes down to some because some of these teams that are out right now like they need one or two three good wins to actually feel good like they're i think colorado is the only one left that's similar to a florida where Colorado gets a big win, and they have enough other metrics where they could shoot up to a 10. Yeah. There's teams every year that get in at, like, 18 and 14. If there's somebody that's going to get there, A&M is, on the, is on, probably on the list of teams that could. Yeah. So. T3, you fell off if you don't realize it. Uh, we'll give him a second to join back. And I'm going to have a question for him about the uh, the top three seed lines if if we're in agreement about something here. Okay. The, this time it was my screen went black, and I oh, guess that yeah. doesn't work either. I don't have like the the Spotify podcasting app. Oh. So I might be so I feel like I might need to just download that for future. But that, I'm learning that muting and then just the screen going dark. Anything like that just kicks me out. So good to know, but apologize for that. No, okay. So I was starting to wonder, um, T3, your, your, your top three seed lines. Um, the top 12 to me seems like there's a bit of a gap between, say, you know, Iowa State at 12 and then whoever's down at 13. Do you agree? Yeah, I have Iowa State at 11, actually. But, I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, me personally, I think I have it as like 13. 
at number 13, which for me is Duke. I know a lot of people have moved Duke to a three seed, which is totally fair. You could, you could move Iowa State or Alabama down to a four. But I, I feel like from 13 to 14, which 14 for me is Dayton, 15, oh, yeah. Baylor, 16, Illinois, I feel like there's definitely a gap there where, like, Dayton's, Dayton's playing St. Bonaventure right now, and they're playing with fire. So they could drop to a five seed if they if they don't figure this out. Win that Not, game, yeah. But um, I, I certainly think there's a gap there where I don't know. I can't remember because there's so many good games tomorrow who Baylor plays tomorrow. Baylor's probably one where if they pick up a good win, they could certainly be back into a three seed conversation. But I don't even know if Illinois getting. I think they played Nebraska this weekend. I don't think that's even enough to get to a three on its own because there's definitely a gap there with how yeah. good. Because Iowa State and Alabama's resume metrics have finally caught up to how good the predictives have been all year, and they have some wins to back it up. So, and Creighton's been up there, and we talked about the top nine. There's kind of a gap there too, but. I would agree with that. I think Duke's in that discussion, but after 13, it's, there's definitely a separation. I think the, the only uh, wins that would really boost Illinois' profile up to a three or potentially a two is if they can beat Wisconsin or Purdue. Yeah. Yeah. Because the rest of the Big Ten is pretty average. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's more um, wins for them to stay solid as a four than it is yeah, to move up. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, Baylor has Iowa State tomorrow. So that, that moves the needle. Yeah. That's, yeah that'll be <laughs> If they win that, they could get to a three. So I take back yeah. the Baylor part. The Big 12 is loaded with opportunities. If they were playing Oklahoma State or something or West Virginia, then no. But, yeah, they beat Iowa State. I don't know exactly what it would look like, but I have to imagine they'd be back to a three seed for me, just off the cuff. Well, especially because Duke's going to lose tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, excuse you, Uh-oh. Sir. No way North Carolina is going to lose two in a row, right? Zach, does your model say Duke or North Carolina tomorrow? Uh, it says North Carolina. That's what I would like um, to know, actually. What does your model say for all of those top ten matchups? Like Houston, Kansas, oh, Baylor, Iowa State, Duke, UNC. You don't have to pick. I think there's like, too many good ones. But like your top like four or five games tomorrow, What what is it saying result-wise? Well, okay. So I'm going to have to disappoint you here, T3. I don't have the numbers Right now, I have to predict like on a day-to-day basis. That's fair. It's the suspense um, for tomorrow. There yeah, you go. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you give me the, let's say, three or four matchups you're really interested in, and I will be sure to uh, have those as my like selected predictions. This is this is a lot of pressure. Let me. I need to pull up the schedule to make sure I don't miss something that I'm like I need to see this. I know. Duke UNC. So definitely got to have Colgate Navy. I'm just kidding. It's the first one listed on my screen when I pull it up. So that's why I say that. I honestly actually, no joke, at the, the noon Eastern window, because I know your model likes St. John's a lot. I'm sure you probably would have UConn winning it, but I would be curious, honestly, to see what you would think that margin is because it's at St. John's at Mar- Madison Square Garden. Hold on. It's it. Uh, UConn is at home. It's Madison Square Garden. Have you not been on Twitter? Fair. Fair. Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Is that factored in to the model? Home home court advantage? Well, like road, road court advantage for UConn at the Garden. Oh, no. <laughs> is that um, a thing, road court advantage? <laughs> it is. I it mean, might it, be now. It could be. Um, yeah, I just treat, like, you get, like, a flat home court advantage. Fair. Okay. Um. But I, can, I would say that 
I think that would that would intrigue me because I know St. John's has been a bit higher at times. So that one for sure. I think definitely like Houston, Kansas, because I know the spread, at least last time I looked, was Houston's favored, which has got to be – it's very rare for Kansas to play at home and not be favored. So I would like to see right. – I would love to see what it says for you. I know your model and everybody else is high on Houston, but we'd just be curious what the margin is on that. I know uh, a few weeks ago I ran like so, like a long-term forecast – uh, and I believe Houston was still favored. Which would make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Houston's favored by three and a half right now. That's just got, crazy at Kansas. That's I have crazy. this yeah. weird feeling, though, that Houston's going to go in there and win by like 15 or 20 points. I don't know. <laughs> well, you have that on recording now if it happens. Or if Kansas is putting that. Mike you, Mike, you should put some money on that. You I should tweet, tweet it out. Alternate, alternate spread. Alternate spread, Houston by 15. <laughs> I, you'd probably get some really good returns on that. Out, if you, uh, outside, of, right. outside of Kansas playing Oklahoma State, they have hardly looked looked good in any recent game they played. I, it's I Allen Fieldhouse, though. Like, well, they just haven't even looked great at home. <laughs> the rest will make sure they don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so percentage-wise, uh, my model had the, had Kansas with a, about a sixty-three percent chance of winning um, as of January twenty-second. Which is so which is fair. Changed. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else jumps out so to me was... too is. Indiana State Drake. Obviously, that's not a ranked game, but that's just. I would imagine because Indiana State's at home, they lost to Drake the last time. I would imagine that it's probably favors Indiana State, but I believe I don't know which episode it was, but it was one I was listening to yesterday. I think your model's lower on Indiana State, maybe even in the sixties. Yes. So Um, that's where I'm curious on what that says because I I don't know what the spread on that game is, but would imagine Indiana State's favored by single digits. It's gonna should be a great game, but. I don't remember where you have Drake overall on your list. So I would be curious what uh, that looks like. I don't even know. Um, but yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of an interesting matchup. Like Indiana state is one of those teams that like, they can basically outshoot anyone in the Missouri Valley, except maybe Drake or if they can't, or if, um, or if they can still outshoot Drake, Drake might be able to make it difficult in other ways, like turning them over or getting offensive rebounds and things like that. So, yeah, that'll be a really interesting matchup. Well, that's one one thing that Indiana State seems to be susceptible to is turning the ball over because they, they turned it over a ton in that recent game against Belmont. I mean, they, they had like 10 or 12 first-half turnover, which is why they fell behind by so much. They came back and won, which was very important for them, but. Do we think that that's a must-win for Drake, too? Like, if they want to have an at-large chance. I, I feel like yes, but would be curious yes. of if, thoughts. If they lose, they can't lose again after that until, you know, the Missouri Valley Tournament. Yeah, I think they get into win out. Like, cause for me, I, some people have had them next four out. I've even seen a couple first four out. I have them still under consideration a little bit lower because – some of those losses that fluctuate between Q2 and Q3 move stuff around for sure, but I just don't love the resume. It's obviously above 500 versus Q1, Q2. I don't know exactly what it is today, but 
it just feels like that's something that because the Nevada win has not aged well in the last couple of weeks. I was going to say the same thing about the Nevada win with them falling down. Yeah. Hurt them a lot. If Nevada comes back, like rises back from the ashes, like I think they play later tonight, which doesn't move the needle much, San Jose State, but will probably be wild because it's Mountain West. But <laughs> the, like if, if Nevada goes on a run and it gets back, then that's obviously great. But otherwise, there's just not a ton there and they don't have nearly the metrics that Indiana State does where Indiana State also could use this win, but their metrics could help them still stay around a good range even without it. So it feels more important for Drake. Or maybe you could say as a Missouri Valley fan, you're like, it's more important Indiana State gets to win. They feel good as an at-large and they lose to Drake in the title game and they both get in. So you could take either direction, I guess, depending on what you want. Fair. I mean, how far would Indiana State fall with a loss tomorrow? I mean, this I is a, it's a Q1 loss, or no, Q2, sorry. Q2 yeah. loss, it's at home for them. Q2 loss, I, mean, I think it would depend on, obviously the margin is a factor because that's going to that's gonna impact their resume and predictive metrics. Let me see the exact numbers for them right now. Especially so losing at home. Yeah, I mean, their strength of records at 19, that's definitely going to probably exit the top 25 if they lose because it's yeah. at home. But they still, what's crazy about them is obviously it's different. You think about like, I was talking about Nebraska on a different podcast today. They're two and five with the away from home, neutral and, yes. and road. Yeah. In Indiana State is 10 and three. Obviously it's different because you're getting games against Missouri Valley opponents. Those are not all the way, like Drake's a great game, but like all of their games are not equal to a Big Ten schedule that Nebraska is playing. Yeah, right. But they still had a top 200 out of conference rank the schedule, which is tough to do as Indiana State because teams won't want to play the best teams in small conferences. And 10 wins away from home already, 4-0 neutral, is pretty great. It's just unfortunate that like their best win is Bradley. Yeah. It's just nowhere near an at-large team. Very good team. Unfortunately, right. they had injuries that derailed them, but it's just nowhere near an at-large team. So it's you get swept by Drake. I feel like they probably get back to like at best an 11 maybe even a 12, depending – because tomorrow's going to be wild, so a lot of stuff could change. But Bradley be being up to 59 in the net gives the Missouri Valley Conference three teams in the top 60 at the moment. Yeah, that's huge for everyone's resumes to try to yeah. get two bids. It doesn't really help Bradley much, but it, it sure can help them try to get a two bid. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Bradley didn't lose five in a row after they started 6-0. and you know. Yeah, it'd be a different conversation with them then. So I had I had Drake at forty seven and Indiana State at sixty four. Yeah. Um, so that's gotta be pretty so, close because it's home for Indiana State in your model. I would imagine that's a single digit margin. Yeah. Yeah. Um I'd say the the effective field goal percentage would give Indiana State a little bit of a boost above just being a home court advantage. Um, so, yeah, it might be like Indiana State by four. That's close to the spread's five and a half. So that's that close. feels fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's also wild. I, I just went on Google to look at the schedule and just was on ESPNs, and it shows the ticket prices for all these. And I'm looking at like the 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern window that fits on my screen. You've got like 50, 60, 20, 30, 15, 25. And then there's the North Carolina Duke game, 336 lowest ticket. Just crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. Especially because they're top 10. But that would be probably the last one, Zach. Obviously, like a lot of people will be watching that. That'll be 
fun for sure. We interested yeah, to see. I, I, like I'm sure North Carolina is favored for you decent amount because they just feel like they're a lot better than Duke to me. Duke has a, a high ceiling also, but they're just a little more inconsistent. Very. But. Yeah. Um, it might actually be pretty close. I mean, I technically have Duke ranked ahead of North Carolina. I think it might be like North Carolina by like seven or eight, I think. And then if you like flip it around, like, you know, they'll play each other again at Duke in like the beginning of March. I think it'll be like Duke by four. Okay. That feels fair. So, yeah. yeah. So it's like, yeah, it's basically saying like North Carolina is kind of like the better team, the yeah. better matchup against Duke, but it's still going to split home and or like home and home. Is there anything that you have ever considered for future factoring in when it gets to a game like this where it's a rivalry game? Like, obviously, in this I, particular case, like, Duke and North Carolina are both good. But let's say, yeah. like, as an example, even like a couple of years ago when North Carolina was not as good and then they ended up getting to an eight seed and made it all the way to the national championship game and they beat Duke twice. Like, the spread on that game at Cameron Indoor, Coach K's last, like, home game against North Carolina where they blew him out was much larger than you normally see in this rivalry. But is there ever a factor in there for specific games when it's a big rivalry and you know, like, it, let's pretend in this example that North Carolina was bad again, not number three overall and a one seed for most people. Mm-hmm. If they were bad, but it's still a home game for North Carolina, playing their big rival, I would imagine your model would still say Duke's favored, which is fair if Duke's much better than them. But would there be any factor in there to say, like, it's a big rivalry game? The fans going to be even more intense than normal. Rivalry games always get weird. Like, is that something that's just like it's hard to even put that into a model so you completely ignore it, or is it factored at all? So the thing is, you can easily do it. It's um, I just have to have like a flag, like a a one or a zero that says like, "Hey, this is a rivalry game," and then the model will look at that and be like, "Oh, a rivalry game. That's worth so many points." Fair, okay. The problem is that it won't know which direction to point, like, who has the advantage in a rivalry game. Like, so you, it might end up being, like, super, like, it'll just be, like, zero, like, zero added points. But then it'll be, like, plus 10 or minus 10, like, one direction or the other. It'll just be so erratic. Okay. That makes, I mean, I guess that makes sense because it, it's so objective to how the teams are doing in that specific moment. So I, I can understand that. That's, that's one where kind of human intuition maybe takes over a little bit and can say, like, you know, like, I like the upset just because I think, like, you know, Duke's going to go in there ready to play. Like, they, I don't know if they like they want the ACC and they they want to get the win over their rival or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then um you know the last time we yeah, talked but, about somebody really needing a win and coming out and being hungry um you know Pitt got beat by about 50. So I'll never Yeah, but actually we tur- we we redeemed ourselves a little bit with that one cuz then uh shortly before the Pitt the Pitt at Duke game Hunter made a, a comment about like maybe they'll actually be hungry this time and and pit one. 
No, that was just an awful prediction from the get-go. I had more faith in Pitt than I should have. <laughs> Speaking of teams that should have been a little more hungry for a win, there's 11 seconds left, and Princeton is down by four at Yale. Yes. Does that end <laughs> any two-bid hopes for the Ivy League? I would say yes, Probably. but I'd be curious. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's gonna it's for sure gonna drop them down to my friend bubble if they don't win this game. And it was weird because they were shooting like sixty percent from three at halftime, like plus eighteen from the three point line, and somehow we're only up by five. That I mean, it, it's crazy because it's just Yale can obviously play. They had a little, they had a tougher non conference. Yes. Yeah. But they're not like it's same with Cornell, which actually that game was that's over. They Cornell did beat Dartmouth, but they started off like nineteen to two and they barely won. Almost, yeah. I was gonna say if Cornell and Princeton both lost, we could get we could definitely say goodbye to any Ivy League team, you know, getting an at large. But uh, I'd say Rivera. I mean, yeah. I don't think they had a chance, anyways. To be honest, yeah, I was just um, holding out false hope. <laughs> yeah, like was it zero? No, but this would make it. Yeah, and it's um, it's now four seconds left, and yeah. Yale shooting free throws again. They're up five, so I would say it's probably. I still whoever wins the Ivy League tournament is gonna be dangerous as a twelve thirteen. Very likely twelve thirteen, I would say. Like some obviously it could it could switch up, but I would imagine it's probably gonna be a Princeton, Yale, Cornell, Harvard, maybe a dark horse in there, yeah. maybe a Penn. But I feel like they're just like a Big Five dandy, and then that's it for them. <laughs> so so T three, I'll actually ask you this question um what are your thoughts on conference tournaments from a like mid-major perspective or like some of these team or some of these conferences that like are predominantly like one bid leagues so i have i have a lot of thoughts on that actually it's a great question i i'm glad i have some sort of forum to express this a little bit but the I would say from just a TV perspective, they're fantastic. It's one of the things I look forward to the most. It's honestly, at, in some aspects, even more fun than the NCAA tournament because it's just so nuts. So it's yeah. never going to go away, unfortunately, like, fortunately or unfortunately, whatever side of the argument you're on because it is just very good entertainment, great TV. But I think for the mid-major leagues specifically, it does hurt sometimes to see some of these great seasons and they're basically rewarded with an NIT berth because they lost one game on a neutral court somewhere. Right. Or maybe it's their home floor because some conferences, they don't go to a neutral site, especially at low majors that the number one seed hosts. So in that case, right. you could you could argue like, well, you lost a home game, but it's like really they had to win three home games in a row and they won their regular season. So I do feel like yeah. that's kind of tough, but mm -hmm. I was more okay with it when they got an NIT berth because it's still national TV. It's on ESPN, ESPN2 or U. So you're getting yeah. – and a lot of people – like. It's nowhere near the March Madness viewership, but you still get some money for your conference, for the school, and it, they usually play those NIT games on days that are not the NCAA tournament, and so people are, like, really loving March Madness. They're hungry for basketball. They might tune in more than, like, this Princeton-Yale game today. So I still think yeah. there's a benefit to that, but with the new NIT rule where it's just going to be net-based, maybe, like, the Ivy League second place still gets in because they're going to have a top 100 net. So I feel like they could end up having another team in the NIT, but like the big West we talked about, cause UC San Diego is not eligible. They'll probably go to the CBI cause they'll be eligible for that. But if, if Irvine wins, cause they're the only top hundred net team, I think in the big West beyond UC San Diego, somebody else that's like a, another 
good team in there. It's just going to get relegated to a tournament that much less people will watch, and they could have won the Big West. Like for a while, it was CSUN, but now CSUN's kind of fallen off. But that would have been a good example mm-hmm. of a team that probably would have never made the net threshold to make the NIT. But if they had won the Big West regular season and then lost in a tournament game to another solid Big West team, they would be going to a CBI or whatever this new Fox tournament is, which is definitely unfortunate. So I, I think it's great for TV. I like watching it, but I really wish some of these really solid mid-majors were rewarded with yeah. tournament first because I think we'd see even more upsets. We already see a ton, but like I look at like my seed list now with who's in first, and I'm like, man, I could see so many of these winning. But unfortunately, like a good half of these won't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just the nature mm-hmm. of it. So yeah, right. Well, like I mean, from my standpoint, with like I went to NKU, uh, Northern Kentucky, so like they aren't going to ever meet the threshold to get the um, new NIT bid. Yeah, no. But year that we didn't win the conference tournament game, but we the regular season we got the NIT bid. I don't think we hosted, but it was a close site. It was on ESPN. It was a lot of publicity for those schools. Like that goes far beyond the reach for those small schools like that. And that's just like being taken away. Um, so that's really like just a tough look all around. Yeah. I and think I even think- like, like uh, I can't remember his name off the top of my head now, but he got, he went to a high major school at Hofstra last year and Hofstra either played Clemson or Rutgers. They were the eight seed in the NIT. They played either one of those two teams in the first round and beat them. And his last name's Thomas, but I can't remember where he's at, but he, I don't think he got an offer from a big school and was able to transfer just off that one game, obviously. But it was such a great showcase, and he played so well in a road upset. Where normally, like especially in the CAA, they're hidden behind the flow hoops paywall. You might not get as many looks from coaches to be able to get that opportunity to transfer. And now, yeah. especially a league like the CAA, like that's a pretty good competitive league. You have four or five really solid teams up there, but all of them are plus 100 in the net. So it's very unlikely they get like if it's Drexel or UNC Wilmington or Charleston, it's pretty unlikely you're going to get an NIT bid now. Maybe every so often, but it's just you're mostly going to be in the CBI, which is not bad. I think the CBI can end up becoming more fun because of this. You get those, yeah. you get those transition rule teams like UC San Diego, and then you get really good mid-majors, and now all of a sudden that turns into a 16 or eventually maybe 32 mid-major showcase. You mean, that's a blast. But you mean that uh, UNCW beat beat the '96 Bulls? I mean Kentucky, and they still may not get an NIT berth. <laughs> <laughs> They're a good team. I mean that that was yeah. one that for they were on my. Granted, this was in like the December updates, but yeah. they were sitting in my under consideration for a yeah. minute because they had that great win, and they now they've just lost a little bit too much. And so I mean, the CAA is only going to get one bid, but it'll be a, a dangerous bid. But they'll just have one. But yeah. They're still fun though. That 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 game, I only saw highlights because I don't have flow hoops anymore. But that the highlights of that game against Charleston, I think it was last night. Yeah, that was insane. Yeah, like, yeah. That, that was those two teams are just great. Like yeah. I'm, I'm super excited for that conference tournament because it'll all be back on TV again, just to rewatch those teams because I haven't really caught much of them since non-conference ended. But a lot of fun teams. Yeah, those were a couple of the teams I didn't get to before they got buried behind flow, and I'm kind of mad about it. So Ohio State down 76-75 with 11 seconds to go. Ohio State has lost their last 13 regular season quad one uh, Big Ten games. I will not lie. I didn't even know Ohio State was playing right now. <laughs> I, I didn't even think they didn't make my list of games to watch tonight either. Yeah, I had, I had Dayton on, which they're up 10. four with a minute left. Oh, yeah. 
Wow, that is close. It was 10 just a second It was. Yeah, I, I looked away to, to I think, St. Bonaventure just went on a 5-0 run here in a couple seconds. Couple threes. And then I was watching the Ivy League. Ohio State's playing Iowa. I guess that would make sense why that's not on my radar today because yeah. that's not impacting. <laughs> Iowa's in my deep under consideration, yep. like 20th out maybe. Yeah. Still has a shot, very low shot, but there's still a shot for them. I think Ohio State's probably done. If know. if there was like a like a last four in on my my bubble page or like bubble teams compared to like bubble like down to fringe bubble, Iowa would be in that kind of like last four kind of thing. Yeah. Are you guys considering Michigan at all? Who? Considering Michigan? Who? I think if Michigan wins out and then wins the Big Ten tournament, I would put them in. <laughs> okay. All right. So you're saying so, there's you're, a chance. So you're saying there's a chance. Yeah. <laughs> a chance to get in the tournament for sure. I don't know about it. I think an at-large chance, it, there, it might be more likely still for Princeton, even after that loss. I can't That's, promise you, Zach, yeah. this year the, that Michigan will qualify for the Big Ten tournament. Oh, good. Yes. Okay. Yeah, what's your, what's your guys' opinions on that with some of the new kind of discussions? And some leagues already do that. Like Ivy League is a good example. But opinion on some teams not getting into their conference tournament. Is that something that it's, bothers you guys, or are you kind of so like whatever? I, no. So I would – Honestly, I wish, like, every conference would maybe just use, like, at least uh, their top eight, and then everybody else is just done, but preferably their top four. That's mm. fair, honestly. It's kind of a balance of both. <laughs> I, I mean, if you're going to have 18 teams, if you're going to have a, a, a conference tournament, that, that tournament would literally last a whole week, which I'm sure we'd watch, but, you know. Everybody will watch it. It's the Big Ten. Yeah, but I mean, we've, we've already like, said that a lot of the times, at least to the committee, the conference tournaments really don't matter much. Oh, well, to the committee, they might not matter, but to fans, fans like, sure. oh, they'll, sure. make, they'll yeah. make a killing on that if they did eighteen an 18-team tournament. Okay, but like, if UCLA was in the Big Ten this year, you think the UCLA fans are going to travel to Indianapolis to watch them play? They're not even traveling to their own arena right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, they're actually like playing better. I think they won they last night. I think they're like four yeah. and one. The last, Grant, like they've, it's been an easier schedule, but like they kind of look. I mean, definitely not to the point where I thought they'd be because they were one of my dark horse contenders at the beginning of the year. One of my coldest takes preseason. But it's okay, Evan Willard is coach of the year, so I feel you. I had Sean Miller, which still has. I still have hope. If they get on like a crazy run and Xavier makes a tournament, like he won't be coach of the year, but at least won't look bad. They, Xavier needs to win tomorrow. <laughs> we don't talk about DePaul. <laughs> I would call that a must win. Yeah. It's That's like, a house of horrors, and I just don't want to talk about it. <laughs> DePaul is going to beat somebody this year. They will do they, it. In, in college basketball? Yes, oh. I I think let me let me see. Let's just I didn't think we were going to talk about DePaul today, but let's look at it. <laughs> De, DePaul's already beaten Louisville, so that doesn't count. They, that's that a D two. That's, right. that's a D two win. But like <laughs> someone in the they're zero ten right now in the Big East. They're going to get a Big East win. Let's look at who it could be. I've been saying this for weeks. Okay, well they do have Georgetown at home. That's, that's one probably their best chance. But I do I I, I honestly see like. Yeah, they're not going to win any of these road games. So it's like they have Xavier tomorrow. Obviously, hopefully that's not the case. And then they, they have two at the end of the season. 
close to the end of the season, Butler and St. John's. I'd love to see them beat St. John's and have Rick Pitino talk about how good DePaul is. Yes. That would be pretty funny. I really want to see this. I like watching the St. John's team, though, to be fair. I, I think yeah. it would be fun to see them get in, and I think they're getting more bubbly. I don't remember, Hunter, where you said you had them. I have them as my last nine seed, but I could see a 10 today even. I just kind of – Yeah. Or, or even maybe even an eight, like eight to ten is fair, but they're just getting very bubbly. Four games, and, four games we made that stand out on the, re- the rest of the way: uh, UConn, Marquette, Providence, and Creighton. I think they're going to have to win one of those at least to get in. DePaul. Which ones are home, Mike? No, I'm talking about uh, St. John. Oh, thank goodness! I was like DePaul. No, <laughs> they, they DePaul needs to win about 25 games in a row, and there's not that many games. I think if they win the Big East tournament, they still get declined. <laughs> they should. I, I would hate that. I would walk into the ocean if that happened. I think they'd get a sixteen. Yes. I'm not even gonna lie. In the playing game. <laughs> Gosh. And then and then it would just bump up like a really another really crappy like sixteen seed yeah. to a fifteen, and oh, that would just. This is this is another reason I don't like conference tournaments. You're just anti- what? You're I'm anti-, anti. He's anti. That's what he is. <laughs> yep, I'm anti. I'm no. I just I get that it's fun. Like I enjoy them, but I just I I like fairness. Okay, but the year that like Ewing won the Big East tournament with Georgetown, that was fun, and it was well, sure. of course it was. Fun. And Oregon State that... won that year too. Yep. Yeah. And okay, Oregon State is kind of a counterexample because they made it to the Elite Eight, and then everyone thought but... that Wayne Tinkle was like you know the second coming of like John Wooden. And he's still there. <laughs> and he's still there. <laughs> but like Georgetown won the Big East tournament, got in at thirteen and twelve. Yep. After, that was the record after the tournament. And then they just got absolutely absolutely demolished by Colorado. Yep. So it was like, what the heck? Why, why, what was who the let point these guys in? Yeah. And that let Ewing stick around longer than you should. Okay, to be fair, though, I think they were a little overseeded. Yeah. Yeah. More of a, I don't know what to do with this. It's never happened. Yeah. Well, it's like, how can we put this power conference team on the 13 line, you know? Yeah. Even though they've done it well, before. Georgia's been a 14 yep. seed before. Yeah. yeah, that was one year where I missed. I think I had Georgetown as a 14. Yeah. And I missed that by two seeds, which, like, I've had a couple of here and there that I've, I've missed by two. Everyone does this for long enough. They're going to eventually have things they missed by two seeds. But that was one that I was, like, definitely frustrated. I'm like, this was just lazy. And then, yeah. and then yeah. a couple well, years later, I went that same route with when Richmond made the tournament. When mm-hmm. they won the A10 tournament, then they ended up upsetting Iowa. I think that was like two or three years ago. Two years, yeah. And, I, and it, I, yeah, like the, the, f- the normal place for them would have been a 13. Like if you were just like, okay, this is where the opening is, just slide them in there. So I slid them into a 13, but I'm like, well, they kind of could get a 12 if you like look at the resume. But like it's Sunday. I remember the Georgetown thing. Like they're just probably going to be lazy. And then they put them as a 12, and I'm like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> I thought I learned something last year, and now I got missed a C again. It's crazy. Yeah. Well, I feel like COVID was just wild. Like, nobody knew what to do with anything. Yeah, that's fair. Teams were over and under all over the place. Yeah. It, 
Okay, so uh, any other bracket questions or anything? Well, looking actually through uh, your bracket, T3, um, you're, you're kind of last team in at Washington State. Uh, they kind of have a, a special place in, a, in our heart because for about three years, we waited for Washington State to get a win over like over Arizona to like show their good predictive ranking. Yeah, they were. We we had this. We've had this group chat for a while, and it, it, the name has changed a lot. Now it's called Make a Q three B to be able to separate mm-hmm. losses if it's Q three A or Q three B, which <laughs> the committee will never actually look at. But I just think it would be really fun, so we I changed it. But it used to be for like Michael said for a couple of years, it was just Washington State, or maybe it was just Wazoo, whatever it was, and then just their net ranking because they would always be like top fifty, and it was like they're zero and ten in Q one. Like, how are they? <laughs> 41 in the net but now this season i'm like they're actually kind of fun to watch which like yeah. the pac-12 some people can watch it some people can't because of the pac-12 network and everything but they're right. actually like hey, obviously i would have loved if they didn't lose to cal because they would have been in before today for me yes but yes. they've they've got some good wins like i think they're a pretty interesting team to watch it's they haven't had a lot of nca tournament success or even births so i hope that they can find a way to sneak in for the pac-12 but yeah they've been a such a fascinating case for so many years where it's been the opposite and now i'm almost like i feel like their predictives are hurting them yeah i feel like they're actually better than that the one year that they get the wins to get in i'm like this is actually holding them back where are the numbers from two years ago i think washington state's got to be oregon state cal stanford usc ucla washington probably arizona state and at least one of three between arizona oregon and washington that might get them in because yeah, you're definitely in a situation where unless obviously like they went out the regular season, I think they're fine. But oh, for if, sure. you're, if you're saying like, okay, they're, they're, that's not likely they're They also need help around them. Because like you said, like the only things that really moved the needle for me is at Oregon and at Arizona. Yeah. Like at yep. Washington, I think that would be, it, that's going to borderline Q1, Q2, depending on where Washington Q1. ends. Washington. If, if Washington state wins, it's probably going to, it's probably going to bump Washington down to Q2. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's – but other than that, it's like their last four games. Like Arizona State I think is Q2, but that's not going to be a Q2 that really moves them up at all. And then their last three games are home, not relevant. They have Stanford and Cal, like you said. Like, I think there's a scenario where they could win the other ones and lose those two road games that are good and still get in, but they would probably need some help. That's yeah. tough. I'm, I didn't realize their schedule was like this. Like they almost do need to – lose only like one more game so i have so they have 10 games left maybe like and eight I and two have them, and i have them needing to win eight to be a lock but i change these things at times when when schedules get closer on so yeah because things can change yeah like washington could could beat them tomorrow and go on a run and then that's not a bad mm-hmm. loss and then that ends right. up helping the home win if they get that to end the season so like it's hard but to know the that. Oregon, the Oregon State, Cal, Stanford, USC, UCLA, Washington, oh, those are just absolute must-wins. You cannot lose those at this point unless you go beat Arizona again. Yeah, yeah. If you lose one of those other games, like Washington's fine, but if you lose the other ones, I think, and Arizona State's probably fine. If you lose one of those two, Washington or Arizona State on the road, mm-hmm. and if you were to lose one of those other home games, it's, it's almost like you kind of have to beat Arizona or, like we just talked about conference tournaments, but it's like, do something in the conference tournament that just makes them go like maybe make the final and you've got, but then again, it's like, 
It didn't work for Texas A&M. I know, and, and all <laughs> you're really picking up is an Oregon win, probably. Yeah. Neutral, which is just Q2. It could be Q1. Q1 or Q2. Oregon's can kind of fluctuating close to 50, but yeah. That's tough. The, Pac, the Pac-12 it, being down just does not help. Yeah. Arizona's the only team that has an b- above 500 record in quarter one in the Pac-12. Yeah, tough year uh, to... I, I, other, I was saying before the other, season started, this could be a great close for the Pac-12, and that has not aged well. The only other team... That it was for football. Been, yeah, true. The only other team that's 500 in uh, Q1 games is, is Stanford at 1-1. One and one. Stanford. It's wild. Stanford has beaten Arizona and Utah and has six Q3 losses. Stanford is fun to watch. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I don't mind watching Stanford. I didn't watch them yesterday because there was a lot of other fun mid-majors, but they were, yeah. they were playing Arizona State. But Stanford is fun. It's kind of same with like Colorado. Like They're, they're yeah. missing like a really good win because unfortunately yeah. the Miami win didn't age well, that they just blew them out. But yeah. like those two teams that are not tournament teams, they I I do not mind watching them at all. Where there's some tournament teams where I'm like, do I really need to watch them today? But Stanford yeah. and Colorado, guys, I'm like, I like I like watching them a lot. Yeah. You guys remember how Colorado lost? Like I think it was Oregon State the same day that Miami lost to Louisville, and it was like, well, you know, Colorado that was like their best that was their best win over Miami, and you know, it's like losing <laughs> it's twice. A really bad. Day. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I feel like losing twice. <laughs> That's tough. Yeah. Um, also, for Miami, I've had a lot of people ask about if they're going to be close to the tournament. Do something before I even start looking at your resume again. You lost to Louisville at home. Um, <laughs> I've addressed those. I haven't opened their team sheet in a couple weeks, but you can't lose to Louisville at home and expect to be anywhere close to the bracket. Yeah, that's it, another. Oh, go ahead, Michael. It's not just, you know, so Miami is 67th in the net, right? It is not just the loss to Louisville as to why their their net ranking is down. I mean, they they beat F- Florida International, who ranks three hundredth in the net by six. Yeah. They you know, okay, they beat Kansas State you know in an overtime game, but they're at eighty three in the net. There's just too many games. Uh, Notre Dame, they only beat by they only won by thirteen at home. Uh, LaSalle, you only won by seven at home. These games over time add up in your net ranking. And it's hard eventually to overcome it. And as we get further into February, there are not going to be substantial uh, jumps in the net like there was in December and early January. And it's kind of similar to the Pac-12 where there's just, I mean, Miami's schedule, I just pulled it up. They actually do have a, like, it's it's better than Washington State where they still do have at Virginia, North Carolina twice, Duke at home, at Clemson. And then Florida State, we're still unsure if they're actually good or not. They, they're definitely playing better than, yeah. than 86 in the Nets. Like, I think it's a good team, but like, will that could that be a quad one win? Maybe they're Probably 11 not. spots Probably away. So it depends yeah. on how if they can go on a little run with their schedule. Yeah. So it's that's the last game of their season. So it's a maybe. That's that's a rivalry game. So that's tough. But there's there's more games available. Even Virginia Tech, which they play tomorrow, is a Q two. So that, that's not going to move them to my next four out with a win, which Virginia Tech for me is. But it's still like it's a it's a step. Like I, of all the like teams that have been in the kind of like ACC bubble, I've kind of liked Virginia Tech's resume the most because they at least have some wins over teams that you know Iowa State, Boise State that would be at Clemson that would be in the field. Yeah, the other teams really don't. 
And it, it, at least in the Miami case, I mean, if even if they do, like you, you said, the Louisville loss just kind of like basically cancels it out. Yeah, Virginia and Virginia Tech for me are both ones in the ACC that I – those are the ones I have the closest now that are not in. But yeah. They just have – like you said, there's there's just more on the non-conference resume. Like Virginia's got Texas A&M, which kind of goes back and forth on how good that actually is. Florida. And then they have Florida, which looks a lot better now, which helps. But then they really haven't done a whole lot. And they lost to Notre Dame. But they also haven't done a whole lot in their conference play that's really moving the needle. They have Clemson, Clemson tomorrow, which is good. That would be a good yeah. opportunity. Where, like... Virginia Tech, like you said, there's there's more on there. Like Iowa State's a really aging well. Boise State yeah. continues to look like that's a better win. And that what is their let me see real quick. Their non conference strength of schedule is like really solid for Virginia Tech. Which is something that always could play a role in like a tiebreaker scenario. Yeah, well, forty not, yeah, forty three. Uh, which is yeah. that's, that's I mean, that's fine. that's gonna keep them in, especially if it comes down to like a them versus even like a Washington State, which let me see, I think yeah. they were in the three hundreds. Yeah. They were. Yeah, 309 for them. So that's those little things. Like, obviously, Virginia Tech being 4 and 8, Q1, Q2 is not great, but they don't have any bad losses right now. Their resume metrics are still like very bubbly, like NIT 1 or 2 seed. But yeah, there's them and Virginia definitely have more of a shot where like it looked like Syracuse for a minute, not really feeling great about that. No. NC State, <laughs> they had some chances. They kind of blew those. Not over, but like not I dropped great. NC State down to the fringe, you know. Which is probably just, fair. The, yeah. the ACC is fun in that it's like a carousel of teams. Like, all right, who's, who's the, the <laughs> yeah. next at large? Yeah. yeah, Wake Forest was close for a while. Now they've fallen back to under consideration for me. They aren't even in the Step first eight. You know. Yeah, yeah it, it's like a carousel. Like, like yeah. tomorrow, like Virginia and Virginia Tech have – well, Virginia Tech's home against Miami, so I don't know how much that's moving. But, like, Virginia's got a great opportunity, and then they'll – and they've been playing much better basketball recently. And then yeah. they'll lose to Clemson, and then they'll drop to next four out, and then they'll beat, yep. like, Louisville, Florida State, Syracuse, and, like, oh, they're back to first four out, and they'll lose to Duke, and they'll drop down. And it's like, you just got to yeah. give me something. Like, I want to yeah. put you in, but you just got to – These big 12 teams, right? All they really got to do to get in is get to about nine and nine in their league, which is basically split the re- the remaining games, and they and they and they can get in. These ACC teams, we're talking about like there's ten games left, and they got to win seven or eight of that. Out of them. Yeah, some fans are going to be pretty mad when they like that like conference standings. Yeah, and they're going to be they're going to see like Florida State right now is up pretty high if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. where are they? Uh, yeah, they're State six and three, like, and yeah. Virginia seven and three. Like we're talking about both of those teams. That are not making it right now. Virginia is closer for most people. Florida, Florida State's, State's not. not. Yeah, they're not right. And then Clemson is the third team that gets in. They're four and five. And people are like, "What yeah. are you talking about?" But Clemson actually this year corrected themselves and they played a very solid non-conference, and so yeah. they should be it. And they have some yeah. good wins. They have that Alabama win, which is like massive. Alabama is mm-hmm. justifying it. So like those yeah. three teams are getting in the top two, and then Clemson. But like you're right. Someone that's like you know, Super Bowl's over. I watch college basketball. I live on the East Coast. Let's watch some ACC. They're like, what are we doing here? Why is Virginia? And those are just, I honestly just get a kick out of, no, like anyone that listens to this or anything else later, like all fans are welcome. But I just always find it so interesting to see, like they'll come in and be like, Florida's, let's say Florida State wins like three more in a row, but they're, they don't move the needle. They're nine and three in conference and they're still not next four out. And we're like, what are they doing? Right. They're in second place in the ACC. It's like, well, it's not really how this works. Like, yeah. Just always, Two it's always years ago, 
Notre Dame went 15 and 5 in the ACC, and they were the last team in. Yeah. They only had two quad one wins. That was a problem. Yeah. And one of them was Kentucky, and, yes. and that was enough. 17 of their 21 wins were quad and three and four, and they got in. I still can't believe that one. Yeah, I, maybe, I moved them. This is why. I moved them last second. I had them out the whole time, and I yeah. actually went with human of like I, I'm, and I always still will say this to anybody that asks. Like I conference, and it's literally you can look it up for the committee. Conference affiliation and conference standing is not on a team sheet. Yeah, it's not listed. But these are still humans. It's not like yeah. it's a, a BCS thing where they plug it into a computer and they say, "All right, this is it." We don't even double check it. They have yeah. the computers there. They look at the team sheets. They have some of them use formulas. Depends on the committee member, but there is still the human element of like this is a power conference and they finish second. And I'm like, are they really going to leave them out if they finish right. 15 and five? And I didn't agree with it, but I was like, I'm just going to put them in because I just doubt they're going to leave them out. And I saw them there. I just laughed to myself when I was watching the selection show. Like, this is just classic. Like, yeah. remember yeah. this for the future. It, they didn't justify to be in, in my opinion, but then obviously they. I think did they make the Sweet 16 or just they just around a 32. They won a couple games. They did year. win at least one. They they won the I, they won the uh, play. They won the first four games, and then I know for sure they won the round of 64. I don't think I think they lost was it to Texas Tech in the round of uh, 32. It was to Texas. Tech. I think it was yeah. a close and game it, though, right? It was Pretty a close, close game. Yeah. Though. yeah, yeah. So fascinating. Yeah, there every year there's a first four team that does really well. So. Getting into the first four is not always a bad thing. There's been a couple of Final Fours, UCLA, VCU. Yeah. And then, you know, there's – and we discuss this almost every year, that there's always a team that everyone thinks for sure is in the field, no question about it, and then all of a sudden we look up and they're not there. And you try to start thinking of teams that it could be this year. Um, you know, Michigan State comes to mind. Utah comes to mind. Those kind of teams, maybe a Big 12 team. Yeah, I think it's I think it's going to be somebody that has the triple combo, if you will, of a plus two hundred or more out of conference ranked schedule. You looked out their resume, and they have a lot of Q four games, and they have at least one or two bad losses, which yeah. looks like that was going to be other than the non conference ranked schedule. Looked like that was going to be Villanova, but they're now out of everyone's field already, anyways. So, yeah. like, I think Michigan State, like the, Michigan State, doesn't have the schedule problem. No, they don't fit that box. But I think that's a fair conversation but like a big 12 team as an example let's I think say it'll be... yeah go ahead oh i just said i think it'll be a big 12 team yeah yeah like maybe texas even though they're like on the bubble for anybody anyways right now but maybe they get a couple wins and it people think they're safer than they are yeah it was pretty funny that they that they lost in overtime to houston and they moved and people moved them up well everyone else in the bubble decided to lose too so it was kind yeah. of like well we got to put somebody here <laughs> That is the fun thing about, like, when you're doing, like, these top 25, like, you know, seedless, or you're doing, you know, a 1 through 68, like, a bracket. Like, you have to – like, teams have to go in certain spots. Like, you have to have 25 teams. You have to have 68 teams. Like, I have – like, I in my top 25, I, I had, like, Baylor or something at, like, 13 or 14, and I hate it. Like, yeah. I don't like how they've looked. It's, you know? it's the problem of having to decide – like, it's the problem of having to cut it, to cut yeah. it off. Like, as, as somebody's gonna be, somebody's gonna be upset. Like, yeah. are, like, why'd you have us twenty sixth, not twenty fifth? Yeah. When what's really the big difference or, there? Like, there's right, exactly. But like, to to people, like, 
especially like to people who follow the AP, like which they shouldn't. But anyway, um, never again should they. <laughs> like, you know, you feel jilted, like South Carolina, and honestly, that might have been why they beat Tennessee. Yeah, like they just they felt like, hey, like we're gonna we're gonna make sure you can't not rank ignore us. us. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I mean guarding every- the whole like it's a big publicity thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear that like we sit here and we give it crap and it doesn't count for anything. It matters for just about every team in the country. Like yeah. your teams like Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, oh whatever, we're always ranked. But like any mid major or any team that's not traditionally ranked, it's a big deal because it brings publicity to the school. Yeah. Anything that mm-hmm. like the AP is gonna put out, it's a big deal, whether it's well, and it's it's validating for like again like yeah. a team like South Carolina like they were seventeen and three going into that game against Tennessee yeah like seven we're seventeen and three like why why aren't we ranked yeah and you know again I think that was a motivating factor maybe that's something I should try to model like were you jilted <laughs> by the motivation and then like <laughs> see how predictive that is. Um, that would be fascinating. Every, every week I get questions about my top 25, about if I've ever heard of Auburn or, you know, uh, you, you know, they exist. And the answer is yes, but they still don't have a quadrant one win. Yeah. And that's a problem, you know, for me. I don't know. It's fair. Well, and there's, there's, I, I was going to say this, like when we were talking about like the Super Bowl being over, but like now the NFL regular season is over and co- college football is done. So like, I wonder if some of the fans, that are like, you know, they're primarily football fans. They're now working their way to paying attention to college basketball, and they're seeing like, well, Mike, you don't have Auburn ranked yeah. or whatever, sixteen and five. Yeah, but like yeah. they just haven't been paying attention and haven't done any kind of like research. So it's like, oh, this is this is bad. <laughs> I, I got asked why I still had Colorado State ranked, and I said, well, the week before I had them at 10. So, yeah. I, and you don't, teams don't just drop usually, you know, 16, 20 spots for one loss. Yeah, for especially sure. Especially when it's on the road. Yeah. Yeah, and especially when it's resume based, like yeah. yours is. Like, the resume is still solid. One loss doesn't change that. And, well, we'll have to see what, what happens uh, this weekend. But after getting the win over San Diego State, you know, that kind of not. It kind of canceled out the, uh, the the loss to Wyoming, and them still having the the win over Creighton is a big feather in Colorado State's cap. Yeah. They're still a, they're still a good team. That's just a tough yeah. rivalry game against Wyoming. Yeah. That that yeah. ending was nuts. I actually turned it off oh. and then had to turn it back on. I was like, wait, this is still going on. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was gonna, I thought it was over. So I'm like, okay, Colorado State won, moved on. I'm like, they it's in overtime. This is crazy. There yeah. have been some really weird, like, you know, finishes of, like, you know, like, last five seconds of game of, like, five-point plays. Yeah. Five points in five seconds, uh, you know. This has, been the, this has been the year for me that I've seen the most amount of, how do I describe this? Like, a, the, a team is down by two to three points, and the other team's inbounding, and the team that's yeah. losing draws an offensive foul. Yeah. Yes. It, just don't it hit happened, anyone. Yeah, it happened in the two games that are immediately jump out to me that I was watching Almost the whole game was when Vermont had that comeback five points in five seconds. 
Yeah. And then the yep. James Madison like double OT game against Kent State in the opening week. Yes. Oh yeah. That yep. was one I forgot about too. Which looked like this huge win, and then Kent State has not lived up to what we thought. They did lose a lot of important pieces, so I guess that's fair. But they they haven't been as good as expected, which is hurting. James Madison's at large chances are are pretty yep. low because of that, but. At the time, it was like, wow, it's a huge road win for them, and they shouldn't even have won this. Like, absolutely nuts. And then same with the Vermont game. Like, not really an at-large per se, no. but, like, you could look back and Vermont could barely be – like, they're a 14 for me. They they could potentially get to a 13, and maybe – I doubt it, but, like, maybe that's the game that swings the metrics enough where they get a 13 and then they get a favorable matchup, and now they have an upset. Like, you never know. Yeah. It's always fun seeing Vermont in the tournament, though. I would love for them to get to like a Sweet Sixteen run. Yeah. It's it's time yeah. for them. Same with Colgate. Like, yeah, yeah. I I don't honestly I don't care who they play. I'm having at least one bracket with Colgate, at least winning one. <laughs> they don't look the, as good as they have in recent years. No, this is have, not their... This would be the weird. This would be the weirdest year for them to win yeah. an NCAA tournament. Yeah. yeah, that's. But which will probably mean it's the year they do it. Yeah, probably. <laughs> The last couple of years where they have like six losses and they're they're almost like they're they're spread against I think it was Wisconsin a couple of years ago. The spread was like yeah. minus two, minus three, and then they, yeah. they blew a lead. And then this and I think there was another one with Arkansas maybe. And this is gonna be yeah. the year they're a fifteen seed. They're like, Oh, this is not a good Colgate team and they'll beat like Tennessee or something. Probably maybe not Are Tennessee. Tennessee's too hey, no, 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 no. Do not say they'll beat Tennessee. Ten- oh, drop oh, them to oh, or, the, oh. or they get dropped to a sixteen and they play Purdue. <laughs> There we go. All right, that's acceptable. I'd feel so bad for their fans. If Purdue's had so many of these losses like this, I just and they have such a passionate fan base. Like, I don't know if if I'm fully bought in that you can win a championship in this day and age where you fully play through a big, but it would it would be tough to see them lose again in the first round. I doubt that they will do that again. But like, even a to an eight seed, they've got enough to play a different style and win at least one game. Yeah. Well, they been eight. I mean, if they got matched up with like I don't know New Mexico State or New Mexico, Ooh, New Mexico would be fun. New Mexico, Purdue, heck yes. I mean, right now New Mexico is like a seven eight, depending on who you ask. But let's say they slipped because their road games have been shaky. Like New Mexico, Purdue would be fascinating. Yeah, New Mexico has been a tough one to like um, look at because if we're if we're evaluating the Mount, the Mountain West Conference like a power conference league which it's acted like you have to treat it like well look you know 13 of their 16 wins are quadrant 3 and 4 but you know the the the, the win the, the wins that they have at home are important ones yeah um, statements for sure Mountain West and one thing that does if i if i i think i saw this this morning when i was looking at New Mexico's profile so they actually now have five quadrant two, quadrant one and two, three wins because their wins over the uh, Louisiana Tech and UC Irvine moved up to quadrant two. Which so are solid teams, that, for sure. Yeah, they are. Yeah. If Louisiana Tech could hold these better, they they would be an, they'd be an at large candidacy. <laughs> They're dangerous yeah. if they can win the. They are even even too. I would say like Western Kentucky. Sam Houston and even like Liberty has, has fallen off, but I still think that they could be dangerous. Yeah, could be any of those any of those CUSA teams that probably track to like. I mean, Sam Houston always surprises me. I go through the, I go scrub every single time, and they've been leading the last three or four updates. 
and they just keep tracking to a 15 seed. And I'm like, this team feels a lot better than the 15 seed. Yeah. But they're in the 200s in some metrics. I'm like, you just can't be a 14 like this. There's too many other good teams in here right now. But yeah, team-wise, you get a couple upsets, they could get to a 14, and maybe they could beat somebody. Four and five seeds would not have a, a fun time with UC Irvine. No. I mean, that would they're not afraid of anybody. They would just be a dog, you know, dragged out game. Yeah. Anybody that, like, any of these 13, like, 12, 13s are going to be crazy. Yeah. Um, just difficult games for whoever gets. You know, Akron's zone fun to play. Yeah. So I felt like we kind of said this last year, though. Like, it's going to be like the year of the 12. Because, you know, you had uh, Oral Roberts, Charles. Drake. No, not Charles. Uh, Charleston, yeah, Charleston. Yes, they were at twelve, and yeah. and like, and then they all lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I don't know. I just sometimes I think like when there is hype around a mid major, like that's the one you don't pick. Yeah, it's really, the ones yeah. that you. It's the ones that you like. Don't. Yeah. Yeah, you don't really expect. Some of these, um, but looking pretty fraudulent to me. Not at all. Four like Baylor, Duke, Illinois, Dayton, like none of them seem like they're super, like invincible or anything. Illinois yeah. is always Illinois is always a good candidacy to just go out there and just throw out a dud at the wrong time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, T three, do you have a sleeper pick? Maybe like a Sweet Sixteen, like somebody you don't expect to make like the Sweet Sixteen or Elite Eight. I mean, if it's talking about, like, I, and I, I think I said this yesterday somewhere, but I feel like FAU has become a sleeper again. Mm. Yeah. I still I, feel yeah, like I they have all the tools. They have they have lots of good guards. They have guys that can make big shots. They have played. Every game has been tough and tight. They're getting the best possible shot from everybody else. But if they fall into, like, a 6-8 to eight seed, they're going to be the underdog in the second round, and that's exactly where they want to be, like the yeah, Arizona yep. game in Vegas. And I just feel like they're they're talented enough where there isn't a single team. Even I mean, like I think Houston's a bad matchup for them, but I still would be like, yeah, it's gonna be a good game. Yeah. Even Houston. Like I just I feel like everyone's gonna be like, yeah, see, we told you FAU's not ranked anymore, like barely ranked, and they're a seven seed. Like they've been a fraud, and they're gonna pick a ten seed that's a high major school to upset them. And I could see them getting back to the Sweet Sixteen again. And they feel sleeperish as opposed to where they were before the season. But I would I would go to get like a little bit more of a sleeper. I really liked Florida before the season started. Hmm. And I and that was one of my them and Colorado were my two teams. And Colorado could still do it. They they were kind of both those teams have actually been in a similar resume spot where they've seen a big win, good metrics. Yeah. But I I, I feel like Florida again, it's a team that's got a decent number of guards that can play. I could see them if they continue this run, obviously tomorrow Texas A&M is another good test to see if they're going to kind of take the Kentucky game and have too much of a high off that and then just flop, or if they're going to use yeah. that and show like we're actually really good and get themselves up to maybe, maybe even like an eight or a seven seed. Yeah. We're talking about a different conversation. So we'll, we have to kind of wait and see, but I was really high on them in the, the preseason. They showed me a little bit here and there in the non-conference. I do, I could see them if they stay in this eight, nine range, giving like a North Carolina, or a Purdue maybe a fight. I really don't know if I like them matching up with Houston or UConn personally, but maybe the other two. I really just want a UConn-Houston game. I don't know where we get it, but I want maybe like, the, I, Maybe the Natty. I could see it. 
I didn't want to call a natty for two one seeds, but like that, it's very possible. It would be a Sorry, great remember. game. It would be a, yeah. such a good game. UConn and who? Houston. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, I would love that. Like, I, think, I don't pull for one seeds very often, but I'll pull for those two right now. I think one kind of fun sleeper team might be like a, like a Boise State. I like you know. The, They've gotten some big wins lately, especially in their league. But and I know they struggled to start the season. But I think it's a resume where they probably should be higher than they're often being projected as. But if they are kind of in that eight, nine, you know, ten range, that's a pretty dangerous team for a one or a two seed to play. Yeah. yeah. The only thing that gives me pause about them, and obviously we saw it because they got hot with San Diego State last year, but teams that traditionally are much more defensive focused and can have long scoring droughts and usually yeah. play games like because Boise State normally like th- that game was really fun the other day against New Mexico but normally they play more of an ugly style grind it out and that's how they get their wins and I think their fans are very proud of that style of basketball but that just doesn't usually translate to like three straight neutral wins no yeah they're very think- battle tested and they could definitely like win a game or two no doubt about it like maybe make a sweet 16, but I just feel like I would be more confident in a New Mexico who could easily lose their first game by 15 because they sometimes <laughs> can take some bad shots. Their guards love to shoot, and that's what makes them a dangerous Elite Eight team because if, if House, Mashburn, and Dent are all hot at the same time, good luck to anybody playing them. Mm-hmm. But they could also go ice cold one game, lose by 15, done. Everyone's like, what happened in New Mexico? Like, or Boise State, you kind of know what you're going to get. It's going to be a close game. They're going to battle. And it's just kind of a 50-50 last three minutes against whatever 8-9, if they're in that game, 7-10 yeah. kind of game. It's going to be tight. They're going to be right in it, and it's going to come down to can they make big shots down the stretch. What do we think, think about like the tournament prospects of, like well, if they get there, uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga, if, if they're going to be at-large teams? I'll have Gonzaga in my Sweet 16 if they make it. <laughs> because I just – I. I think best. everyone's been getting all their Gonzaga takes out, and it's been fair. I think also some of it is a product of their schedule not aging well. That's not yeah. their fault. USC and UCLA. Yeah. Syracuse. And I, I, I definitely agree that they're not as good as they have been, but I don't think they're as bad as some people think they are. I think their resume right. is not good, but I don't think as a team they're as bad as some people want to say. And they're yeah. still talented enough to easily make a Sweet 16. So I, I think I'll this just is, fill it in just because like they have a chance to tie the streak of nine in a row with Duke. This is a lot like 2015-16 uh, when you know they got in as an 11 and got to the Sweet 16 and yep. very got, got really close to the, to the Elite Eight. Yeah, yeah, all the pressure's off in this case. Yeah. So I, tomorrow night will tell us a lot about those two because they played yes. I'm looking at. I just pulled up like the ESPN tickets as low as eight hundred and eighteen dollars for that game. For that yeah. game, wow. What? Is that is that at St. Mary's? No, it's in the kennel. It's in Spokane. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean it's still Far. ridiculous, but like I get. I mean that's that's five hundred more dollars almost in the UNC Duke game. Exactly. Like that's. Yeah. Um, I like St. Mary's as well. Um, they took the questionable loss to like Xavier at the beginning of the year. Um, I think they just had to learn how to play a little different. Um, I could see them getting two WCC teams in. I think it would be difficult, but you could see one in Dayton and then like one get the AQ. Well, it wouldn't be that difficult if Gonzaga goes and beats Kentucky. Very yeah, that's, that's huge. Yeah. 
I had to turn down tickets for that game, and I'm very upset about it. <laughs> I hope it was for a good reason. That's going to be a good game. So Xavier and Creighton play. Okay, and, fair. Uh, we're season ticket members for Xavier. That's my like personal team. I couldn't say no. Yeah, that's um, fair. And it's a 12.30 tip here and then a 4 p.m. tip at Kentucky, and it's an hour drive, hour and 15 drive. So I just couldn't make the math work. Yeah. For those, like, they're not cheap tickets, so I couldn't do that and then not make it. Yeah. It'll still be good on TV. Yeah. Um, T3, who are your final four picks? I mean, that always obviously depends on how the bracket lines up because I really don't feel that confident in anyone except for Houston and UConn. Yeah. So it really, de- like, it, like that's just, I think that's what's going to make it so much fun. Like, that's where I'm like, oh, FAU, if they get a good matchup, they go to the Final Four. But, like, yeah. they could also lose the first round if they play someone, like, I don't know if I love them in a matchup against St. Mary's. But if yeah. they played mm-hmm. Michigan State, because Michigan State really struggles to shoot sometimes, I'm like, I might take FAU. So it just depends mm-hmm. on, and then maybe they have a nice matchup the second round, and who knows. But just yeah. because I only am confident right now on Houston and UConn, I will just say those two. For sure, mm-hmm. and then I really like watching Dalton Connect play. It's really fun to see a Tennessee. guy from Northern Colorado, kind of on this big stage. Yeah. So just because of that, I will say Tennessee. But I, their their offensive scoring droughts give me some pause. And then I will just go for fun and say Dayton. Okay, because oh, it would be really fun to see. They, today, I, I it's been on the background for me. I have not locked they didn't in too win much. That game. They did win, yeah. But it it was not. I mean, St. Bonaventure is not a scrub, to be fair. No. And Dayton's getting everybody's best shot, like it's a Super Bowl. So I I can understand that. But it would just be there, a lot of people are making the comparisons to the 2020 team and Deron Holmes not getting in like the top, whatever it was, 20 for the Wooden Watch Player of the Year felt like a miss. Wait, he didn't get into that? No, he was not listed in the top 20 Wooden Watch. I'm like, is there really 20 players better than him? I don't no. think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they can change that. I don't really know how that works, to be honest. But I don't know if they can go back and be like, oh, we made an error. He should be in there, which he should. But I think all that stuff combined and how long it took for them to be ranked, like we were talking about, I think it would be fun. I don't. I just have to see the bracket. I had New Mexico as my sleeper preseason Final Four team, just for fun. Fair. But like I said, I they just scare me of how – they just take a lot of bad shots sometimes, which could be considered good shots for some of their guards. <laughs> but when it gets into the tournament, is that actually going to work against, like, if they played Mississippi State, who just locks you up defensively? Like, is that going to work against a team like that? I don't know. You're not winning multiple games like that. Right. Yeah. 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 That's, yeah, that's where, I don't know, good good shooting can, can be kind of a double-edged sword sometimes. If you're too reliant on it and you don't yeah. have, like, the offensive rebounding – or the capacity to like turn your opponent over so you can actually like get extra shots it it just kills you cuz the shots aren't falling and then you have nothing to turn the game back in your favor yeah live by the 3 die by the 3 for sure um but yeah T3 you mentioned Dalton Connect and I feel like he's one of those like transfer portal guys that like you th- there's hardly been a drop off like mm-hmm. he's honestly gotten better yeah yeah like he's really he's carrying Tennessee offensively yeah that they're a team that scored eighty 
plus points. Like, I don't think they scored 80 plus more than twice last year. And they've already got like seven or eight of them now. And he's like the biggest reason why. I haven't watched a ton of Tennessee this year, but I watched them play on Tuesday and just, he tried to carry them back with some of his. Yeah. Yeah. And ridiculous. Honestly, watching Tennessee's offense sometimes, like we joke about, like it can make you want to gouge your eyes out. So I don't necessarily <laughs> blame you for not watching a ton of it. I mean, it's better than Virginia. Ugh. That's fair. <laughs> I've been I've been excited how much better Wisconsin is to watch now. Yeah. Obviously, they choked yesterday, but like it was still a fun game. <laughs> yeah. For to watch, and, and Wisconsin's a fun watch. And that used yeah. to be like kind of a chore. I'd be like, "Well, Wisconsin's good. I gotta tune in." But they're they're fun. Like I I, I like watching them play. Yeah. When when they lost to uh, Penn State, I think it was like eighty seven, eighty three, um, a couple two or three weeks ago. It was the first time they had lost a game of regulation that they had scored eighty points or more in like eight or nine years. Yeah. I would have thought it was like twenty years, but that makes sense. <laughs> But eight or nine makes more sense. Like twenty years is a little dramatic, but I would have thought it was something like that because very rare for them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Creighton is up ten on Butler right now. Wow. Butler needs that one. A little. They have a tough schedule. Butler does. I like Creighton. I like Creighton too much. It was forty to thirty-seven when I first took a peek at it on this. I don't know. Butler's going to be one of those weird teams that just hovers around the bubble. It's one of Villanova, Butler, and Seton Hall are going to get in. I just don't know which of the three it's going to be. Yeah. And two of them might, but at least one of them will find their way in. I still like Seton Hall because the last couple of games it's been without Kadari Richmond. Yeah. So that's not their full team. I still feel like they the best equipped, but I haven't studied all three schedules to see because probably who has the easiest schedule. I know Butler's is tough. Yeah, but yeah, I haven't you know, done a deep dive into them or anything. Just the three of them. I don't know Villanova. I kind of hope Villanova doesn't make it. Not because I don't like Villanova, as we've discussed, but just like you don't like Villanova. Uh, um, just like I don't know. I for one, I don't like Neptune, but just the way that they've lost some of these games, I just don't feel like they've earned it like Seton Hall or Butler have at this point. You know, Butler had just gotten their record back to 500 again in the first three quadrants, and now they're they have Creighton and UConn. That's just that sucks. That's a tough stretch. <laughs> yeah, On they're the both road. road games too, right? Yeah, yeah. That's just. I mean, you're playing a stretch of Creighton, UConn, Providence, Marquette. The Providence and Marquette, and then Creighton is at home, and then you're on the road to play Villanova. The only easy game they have left is at DePaul. Yeah. Someone's gonna lose to DePaul. Okay, so. <laughs> You come back to this. So they will. They will get one win in conference. DePaul will do it. Well, I, yeah, so I think we. Yeah. Okay. You have I've it been... on record right here. You can come back. I to know. This. I know. I know. Well, and Hunter's been Hunter's been saying it uh, the last couple weeks too. Like DePaul's going to get one. They're going to get one. Don't know who it's going to be, but they'll get one. It's How many games are left for them? Ten. Ten games. Ten. That's a lot of games. They can get one. It'll be UConn. No, yeah. It's not okay. be. I'm I'm willing to go ahead and say it's not that's not the one. That 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 could be that could be a game that's hundred to forty. 
I don't think it UConn might be. Will let, I don't think UConn will let it get to a hundred. No, they won't. There's too many other games. Actually, to be. wait. Yeah. No, I think you. I think UConn could play their bench, <laughs> and still at least win by forty. Hurley's kid will put up forty. That, that's gonna be. A, that's gotta be a quad four B game. How many? No, how many conferences would DePaul finish in the top four? Uh. I'll go Maybe ahead the, and say four. What would those four be? Swack, Miak. You think they're getting past Norfolk State? <laughs> well, just top four. They don't, they don't, yeah, have, to they win. don't have to get oh, past top Norfolk four. Okay. State. Yeah, top four, okay. Um, ooh. Northeast, maybe? Yeah. Yeah, Northeast. I like, I like Central probably, Connecticut a lot, but probably that's only one Probably Big team. South. Ooh, I don't know about Big South. Yeah. They finished top four in the independent. <laughs> so they would finish second. Oh, well, they actually they they beat Chicago State, which sucks. Oh, well, they, they got the tiebreaker. That's then, one of their yeah. very few wins. I, I watched. I I will admit, I watched the whole game. <laughs> I was I was and sad. I spo- and I suppose you're a better person for it. Maybe not my reaction afterwards. I was I was very sad. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I was really hoping they could get to 500, but they lost to Duquesne this week, so it's not possible now. But yeah, that was a close game too with Duquesne too. Yeah. Uh, um. So T three, one more question, and then we'll kind of wrap up. Yeah. Um, do you think somebody catches Purdue for the number one overall seed? Yeah. <laughs> I think. I think it's going to be TBD. Until tomorrow, if Houston does beat Kansas, I think they could catch them. Okay, but if if they don't beat, there's obviously a lot more like a lot of opportunities that Houston has, and they're and they are definitely going to lose more games than Purdue does because the Big Twelve is tough. Those road games are tough, but I Fair. think that's probably the only one because they their predictive metrics are so good, mm-hmm. and if they do have if like if they get a win at Allen Fieldhouse, they get a couple other road wins in the Big Twelve, and they just take care of business at home. Purdue yeah. does not have as many good, especially too if it's a Houston beats Kansas and Purdue loses to Wisconsin this weekend. I still could see myself going Purdue one overall, but that gap definitely shrinks. Okay, and I've been, I've been one, saying for like six weeks. I'm like the one of the biggest gaps in my entire seed list is Purdue one to whoever you put it to. But yeah. I think that that gap starts to get tighter on Monday if. Houston wins at Kansas and Purdue loses to Wisconsin. Then I'm like, so, and we're in a little bit of a different scenario this year because the Big Ten overall is worse. Yes, and Purdue is, I would say, better than yeah. they were last year. Yeah, so it's harder to see exactly where Purdue would take losses. But again, they could lose at Wisconsin. They could lose at Illinois, and maybe one more road game. Depending, I mean, they don't get Michigan. They get Michigan State at Purdue. Yeah, but um, I mean, they they could lose a couple more, and then Houston could win out. I would I would have to think that would move Houston to the number one. Overall. If Houston won out, yeah, yeah. I don't even know <laughs> if it matters what Purdue does. If Houston wins out the Big Twelve schedule, they will be number one overall. Yeah. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Yeah, hmm. one of the problems when you're Purdue and you're or Arizona and you're the big dog in the conference, you can't really st- add any more 
real strong quality wins. Like Arizona's been at five Q one wins or four for a long time. Yeah, Purdue's been where they are for a long time. Yeah, Purdue so. just had. I mean, they had one of the better non conference resume building that they could have done in a long time. Like the, if yeah. if the Big Ten was just a little bit better, like there's still good wins to get in there, but there's just a little bit of a larger bottom, and the middle yeah. is. There's like six teams sitting in like under consideration, like Iowa, Ohio State, Indiana, Minnesota. Well, Minnesota's lower, but yeah. all those teams are like they're not garbage teams. They're tough no. road games, but they're they're just not really like moving the needle at all. Where yeah, Houston, yeah. pretty much other than two or three games in their schedule, because I mean, even UCF's kind of a road game against UCF still does move the needle a little. Yeah, and they're always yeah. moving the needle. And if they lose, it's like, well, if it was close, it's fine. Yeah, like they're just not going to drop a whole lot. Like even UConn, which like they have a nice gap as a one seed, there still yeah. are some landmines where they could potentially. It's not, very unlikely, but they could potentially drop two or two if they lose a couple of those. Where Houston just doesn't have those. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they do have to play DePaul and Georgetown, so you know. Yeah. Again, very very lower odds that they lose those games than somebody right. else. But. It still but is the there. fact that they're there, the yeah. the fact that they're there, and then like Houston doesn't have a DePaul or Georgetown, yeah, because yeah, it's really just Oklahoma State. Because West Virginia is getting better. Yeah, yeah. Yep. yeah. The, the the Big Twelve's DePaul and Georgetown is West Virginia and Oklahoma State. You know, which is they're not. Neither, com- yeah, yeah. West Virginia would be favored by double digits now against Georgetown. So yeah. oh yeah, <laughs> now that they're healthy and they got transfers back, like. Oklahoma State, I'm not sure. They've they've had some better, I guess you could say, eye tests recently, but they're still not a very good team to me. That is one team that's like it's like something just doesn't seem right there either. Well, someone has know. to be bad. It's impossible for no, a conference to all mean, be good. I don't even mean that. Just like in general, something I don't know. If there's like you know, if there's any like off the court, something just doesn't seem right. I don't know. I mean, I think they're just leaning into being a football school and letting basketball just fall off. Could be. And baseball. They're not a bad baseball school. Yeah. Softball, too. I have such a hard time following college baseball because by the time I realize, realize it's been going on, it's already March. <laughs> you know, yeah, right. covering college basketball makes it tough because you get into baseball and you've missed pretty much all of the non-conference. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like watching it a lot for sure, but it's – I tried last year to do – I have a separate page. It's actually called TC yeah. Baseatology yeah. for baseball, yeah. which was fun to do, but it's like my, I'm not going to be putting anything on there until April because I just it's mm-hmm. too much work to – I'll maybe throw on a game or two if it's a lighter slate and I want to watch baseball, but like it's just – it's hard to keep up with that until March Madness is over. Right. Yeah. Guys, do you have any questions or anything? Um. All right, here's one. Uh, who is the better bracketologist, you or T three? T three, no question. <laughs> I I do appreciate that. I I don't know if you can quantify who's better in some instances. Like, we're all better not. than Jerry Palm, and that's what matters. Oh God! All right. Um, <laughs> solidarity. I think Jerry Palm might have been the like the first or second. Uh, DM I ever got on Twitter. You got a DM from him? Yeah, that was when I I asked somebody had asked him a question, and I answered it because it was kind of a dumb one. And he messaged me afterwards, 
saying, you know, please don't answer questions that were asked to me. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. I think so, what's what's funny about him is if you made, because there's this new rule now, I don't know all the details, but there's new rule on the bracket matrix where if you are one of like, there's a certain threshold that the, the person that created it makes where you could get kicked off the bracket matrix now, which I actually think is fair. Yeah, there's some yeah. troll ones on there too that their average is like minus 20. And it's like, this is just, it's not accurate to have that in the summation that people go to and look mm-hmm. at. But Jerry Palm would be like last four buys of staying in the matrix, I think. <laughs> For me, I think he technically is like plus 0.5. Like, I think he technically is above average because there are a lot of those, like, how did this person get in the matrix type of situation where they're like double digits below average and it's like, yikes, like minus 25 or I don't know. I don't know how they got in there. So I think he's not that low, but maybe like a 10 seed. I don't know if you guys saw 801's tweet, but he's got. Like Punxsutawney Phil shaking hands with Jerry Palm. Oh, I saw that. Having a job they're only 39% accurate at. <laughs> Garnering national attention while misguiding followers. <laughs> That's so good. Perpetually rough hair days. That, that's yeah, I saw cool. that. I try to lay off the Lenardi, though, because he's just such a pioneer with yeah. everything. Um, so I'm not as hard on him as I am the other ones. Oh, yeah. And he's a little more engaging too. Not to say yeah. that that like Jerry is not. I mean, I don't I don't know him at all personally. So like, you never know what what people are going through and stuff. Anyways, it's just more of like when you see stuff flash, like Lenardi or even like Mike DeCourcy with with Fox Sports. They're still above average. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot because there's a lot of bracketologists on there. So like, you're if if they flash on the TV, it's it might not be the the absolute number one most accurate, which is right now bracket dom. Bracketometry on bracket matrix shout out to him. But like it's still directional enough where it's like, okay, they said this team's a ten seed, like they're probably plus or minus one. But like yeah. when you throw on like a CBS sports network game, I'm like, this is just misleading journalism. Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> he's like New Mexico I don't know what it is, but like New Mexico could be a four for him. And I'm like, this is just not close. Like now all these fans are gonna come on my DMs, like, why do you have him as a seven eight seed? I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what to tell you about that. I can't Yeah. I can't, cause, and some of their games get flexed to CBS Sports Network, and I'm like, oh, great. He's going to have eight Mountain <laughs> West teams in like, This is not good. Um, no, UNLV and, can't make it unless they win the Mountain West. I'm sorry, guys. Like, And, and then there's uh, Andy Katz with NCAA.com. Oh, that's not even. That's just not even real. He's a, he's a, he's a sideline reporter. Yeah. yeah. Like, that one any- and he seems like he's a good dude, but he's just not yeah. a bracketologist. Yeah. Like, like it was like a week or two ago, or maybe where you like you like at Indiana in the field, and we're like, "What? Have you looked at the re- metrics at all?" It was that, that was bi- it was that Big Ten network check. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, I felt like really. I nice. felt like... I've interacted with him a couple times. He'll answer questions and like interact with you. Um, I don't know him personally, but he seems like a good dude. Yeah, it's not a brand. So, so the Big Ten picture, like you know, obviously Purdue is obviously in Wisconsin and Illinois are gonna should be there. Yeah, we'll see about Nebraska and Northwestern. They seem like the next likely tournament teams. Michigan State probably too. After that, Iowa, Indiana, Ohio State, Maryland. I mean, I have on the page, none of them are close. Yeah, no. So, so it feels like we're kind of set unless one of those teams, like Northwestern, Nebraska, Michigan State falls off i don't know if there's a great path other than like a 
losing one or two more max for those ones you just said. And did yeah. I did Iowa win or did Ohio State? They win? did. Iowa, Iowa won by two, seventy nine, seventy seven. So that's, I mean, who knows if that's going to stay Q two? Because so I think Ohio State will, was seventy. We'll stay on my, you know, kind of like in that little bubble section. Ohio State, I might just drop off completely. Uh, yeah, I think that's appropriate. I haven't, I haven't looked at their – because they haven't even been on my under consideration. That's as far as I go when I evaluate the team sheets. I haven't looked at them yeah. in a while. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I was just looking through my um, my big sheet, and I have 48 total teams in the bubble section. It's a lot. What do you, you what do you categorize when, when you decide to take a team off? Like, is that a big moment for you where, where it's like, I want to make sure that I never have to add them again? Like when you like when you say Ohio State, like their odds are definitely single digits, and it's less than five. Oh yeah, but it's not zero. No, yeah. um, I don't. You know, I don't mind taking a team off and have, having to put them back on. It's not the same as like a making lock. a team a lock and having yeah. them having to undo it. That's fair. Um, so no, I don't have a problem taking. Like I've taken Maryland. Maryland has gone on and off the page almost every game. Yeah. That's, Every time they win or lose. That's what they've been doing in my 15th spot under consideration. It's my last one. They're, they're a slash today because I, I made an error when I initially typed it out. So I'm like, well, I want to keep Pittsburgh and Maryland both on here. So I just slashed them as yeah. both 15th because I was like, I'll just leave them here. But they have been 15th and they've dropped off and they've been 15th. and they've, They have not gotten higher than 14th under consideration. But they've been hovering around. They're still... But so I guess when I, when I look at all... Like some of these teams profiled, like a Maryland or Ohio State or some of the other teams. If I see every single metric at this point now is in like the nineties, you're out. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. you're not gonna get them up high enough to be really looked at at that point, uh, with ten games left. If it changes, then I'll then I'll adjust accordingly. But you yeah, because even the, beating Purdue probably only gets you into the eighties. So There's not yeah. you're not changing like December right. anymore. Yeah. yeah. I don't think resume metrics go up as much as like predictives do from what I've seen. Yeah. And, or down. Like we just talked, we yeah. talked about earlier with Ole Miss and South Carolina. It, yeah. It feels like, like, I don't know why Ole Miss is a single digit resume average. I think they're a tournament team. I think they've done enough to be a, a bubble team, but like, I like, if I was going to see that myself, I like a 10 or 11 much better than I have them. Me like, too. I think, like I think Hunter, you said you had him as a 10. I have yeah. them as my last eight because I can't get that single-digit resume metric out of my head. So I put them at 32 yeah. for that because I just I was like, that's just crazy. But I don't like it there because I just feel like they feel more like a bubble team to me. But mm-hmm. they're obviously – their bid is very secure right now because they're not getting left out with those resume metrics. But exactly. yeah. their, their seed's going to be lower than that number if they're Ole Miss fans that are like super into bracketology and like why are we not up there. It's It's very hard for them to get – above i mean didn't they barely beat detroit was yes by one point <laughs> that should that, that should count as a q3 loss if you barely <laughs> beat detroit <laughs> you should you should not be penalized for that uh, i well, think they there was something are... that said like uh like ole miss had not um passed their preseason like benchmark in ken palm like they're they had so underperformed Ken Palm's like expectations that despite being like twelve and zero, they were still like lower yeah. on his ratings than they were at the start of the season. Yeah, I mean, winning by one to Detroit will do that. 
Yeah. Yep. And that and that lasts on your resume the entire season. Yeah. Yep. And every time Detroit loses another game, it drags on you. Yep. You know? That's why they just can't get out of the sixties and seventies. They're just kind of trapped <laughs> there. It's crazy. Like every time they get a big win, I'm like, all right, this is gonna get them to the seven. And I look the next morning and I'm like, Nope. Well, the here. problem for Ole Miss is their like big win is getting a win over you know Mississippi State at home by at a home. Month, four, four points. points. Yeah, which is another bubble team. So yeah, it is yeah. kind of like, and then that what they what was their non conference one that was decent? Was it Memphis? Yeah, yeah Memphis. which is not looking good anymore. So now right. now it's now it's Memphis. <laughs> I haven't yeah, heard from but, Memphis fans in a while. I yeah. <laughs> me, me neither. <laughs> This this one guy on Twitter that was like, uh, you know, trashing the rest of like the AAC teams during like during like the non conference portion of the season. Like talking about uh, isn't F- his name like Will or something? Yes, it's definitely yeah. Cool. yeah. It's like you you realize you guys need these teams to do well to help your uh, you know profile, right? They're not even bad teams either. Like Charlotte no. can play North Texas yeah. is North Texas has an offensive problem sometimes, but they're good. Like. UAB is getting back on track to some of the yeah. early season. They're not. Yeah. They're just. They're just not at large teams, but they're. Right. They're not bad basketball teams. Yeah. SMU, they have really nice metrics. I don't think they have an at large shot, but they're. They're yeah. not a bad team. North Texas is basically the same kind of team. Just they don't have the closer in Tyler Perry anymore. Yeah, and he's not. I mean, he's 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 had a nice season, but Kansas State's been underwhelming for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. They 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 got absolutely cranked when they played Houston last weekend. Yeah, they did, and that's yeah. who I'm missing on the bracket page. So oh, that's your Seton Hall twice. That's my second Seton Hall. They're uh, the first team out of the bracket for me. Right? Kansas State. Yeah, they got beat so badly they didn't even deserve to be put where they were. <laughs> They're just <laughs> off the sheet. We're just like we'll have Seton Hall again. <laughs> they have two. They have two lives. There's a big thief. Seton Hall gets in again. I mean, I mean, Houston was up like nine to nothing, and the, it it was it never felt close at all. I think I only had that on for like I think that was one of the first games of the day last week, yeah. and I think I only had it on for like no lie, like nine minutes, and I was like, I could yeah. switch this. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> and I was right. It wasn't like the Colorado State Wyoming game where I regretted. It. I'm like, I had to watch yeah. the highlights of that comeback because I turned it back on in overtime, but the Houston Kansas State game, it was like literally. I think it was the under twelve timeout. I'm like, I think I'm good. I'm gonna switch yeah, it. We're, we're done here. Yeah. <laughs> good stuff. All right, guys, we're at like two hours. So yes, we are. I think we should probably cut this. Yeah. Um, thanks everybody for listening in. Um, this sorry, it's a longer episode. More of just like a general, just kind of talking basketball. So thanks for listening. Um, big shout out to T3 for joining us. Make sure you all go follow his basketball page and his baseball page. It's T3 Basetology for baseball, T3 Bracketology for uh, basketball. He's got a lot of great content, and he's going to be with Lenardi, I think, on Monday as well, right? Yep, yeah, it's at 6 Eastern. Definitely excited for that. Yeah. That is cool.